Well, Ryan, before we even hit these airwaves here, I guess we should tell our reasonableness what we were doing that postponed this from starting our recording on time. You just sent out a a wonderful little tweet from CBR.com, and we're not going to give this guy any sort of extended airtime, but he put together this little article on CBR.com, and you check it out, Reasonableness, check out our Twitter feed. This is or the, the, yeah, the, the link's already like up it. there before the show even posts, so you guys will already have seen it. Well, yeah, 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 but I didn't, I didn't link the actual article. I didn't feel like giving them clicks. Oh, okay. So check out if you guys want to check out cbr.com. This dude Oliveri, I believe, is his last name. Uh, put together fifteen times. This is the paraphrased title of his article: fifteen times the DCEU ripped off the MCU, and nobody noticed. And it is easily, even the most ardent fanboy, Ryan, for either side of the fence, would look at that and say, my friend, you need to pick up a comic book and read before you yeah. put any sort of stupidity like that out onto the internet. Well, it's not even picking up comic books at that point. It's actually watching the movies he's talking about. So... Okay, here's the here's the like the over like the the 30,000 foot view on this is that number one, this dude decides to write articles um, that are like top 10, top 15, top 20, top 10, top 15, top whatever this and that and the others. Um, So it's not like a surprise that there we're seeing like these Buzzfeed type of clickbait this is the top 15 times burp derp derps happen. So <laughs> top, top 15 times Americans ate Cambodian food or something stupid. Like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but instead of, I mean, yeah, instead of like eating Korean snack food, it's, um, it's just top 15, whatever's about, uh, about comic stuff. And, and I've been upset with this, with this website for a while, just based on like clickbait. Like they always put clickbait in their titles. They always put, um, they never really, I mean, in the, the substance of the articles are really terrible. And if you ever click on God forbid you ever click on the actual article website, your entire device, whether that be your computer, PC or Mac or Linux and you know, tablet device and phone, no matter what, Android, Apple operating system you're working with renders your iPad useless. <laughs> it's immediately taken over <laughs> by full screen ads uh, that have the tiniest little close buttons on them uh, somewhere. And they're random. Like it's not always in the top right hand corner, probably in being like the you know top third or something. anyway, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's just, it's just super frustrating. But tonight for whatever reason, um, we were just kind of, we were looking up some stuff and, and clarifying some things. And John, I think you, you ran across that little article, uh, top 15 times DC EU rips off MCU. And I'll put it this way. I, like I said, I didn't link the article because good grief. I'm not going to do it. That's it's, I don't want to give this guy any sort of mathematical validation that he's doing the right thing here. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to click on the article. <laughs> so this guy doesn't like just look at like his click, his clicks and go, cool success. You know, no, people really <laughs> like me. People, people are reading. Uh, no, anyway. Um, but yeah, so he, it, I'll just, I'll highlight with this one. Um, wonder woman's fi- photo was taken in and I'll, and I hang on, I'm going to give, well, yeah, maybe yeah, make a, re- I'm gonna make a reference to it here, but it, yeah, for those who are not going to read the article. 
Yeah. So I'm going to give our listeners here just like five seconds of silence. I'm going to ask you a question and you say probably out louder in your head, what war the photo was taken inside of Wonder Woman? What, what war was that? Do, 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 do. Do, right? do, 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 <laughs> like, do, do, It was World War One. W, right? the, the war to the, end all wars. The Great War. The Great War. Dub, dub, one. Dub, dub, and one. This guy, I mean, just in this one thing, and we could pick apart the rest of it. I really don't want to spend much time on this dude because it's frustrating me. But the one thing that he says is that both of those photos were taken in WW2, by the way. And the, the, I'm sorry, the other photo was being the um, first Avenger photo. So that was clearly yeah. DCEU ripping off MCU with a picture that was taken uh, that apparently both of those wars were WW2 um, because he doesn't read comics or watch the movies. So well, I'm, I'm surprised he even didn't throw he, that he didn't throw in there. Uh, plus, Diana carries a shield like Captain America, you big copycat. Yeah, yeah. We're, I, <laughs> don't give him any ideas, John. If he listens <laughs> Ooh, to the show, yeah. Ooh, that's a good, reasonable fan. Are right. Top, <laughs> top one more time that uh, that DC ripped off with just a bonus. <laughs> bonus. Wonder Woman bonus. carries a shield. Number just six, like, just like old Cappy Cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna amend it. He's gonna he's gonna be like, all right, all right. They had a point. I'll I'll edit the article, but I'm adding that shield thing. That was a good idea. <laughs> It, it really was this just this lesson in aggravation and foolishly while Ryan was putting together such a masterfully worded tweet with beautiful hashtags and ad <laughs> symbols and watch out just, Got just amazing just this man can construct a tweet like it's nobody's business I'm over here in the rabbit trail of top 15 list from this guy and <laughs> That's uh, all he did, I, I en- yeah and I ended up on this one that 15 15 times the um the, what was it that i read i don't even want to go back and find it it was uh, fi- oh f- uh, 15 characters ruined by the mcu and he had iron man at number two and we were both oh, yeah, like that iron, iron man, man was yeah, ruined by iron the man was ruined because the way he's portrayed in the mcu is being selfish and you know, he wants to do the right thing, but, you know, can't get out of his own way or he's very narrow minded and, and narrow vision, fo- vision that's so focused that he just doesn't see all the peripherals around it. Uh, of course, he references Tony's extreme alcoholism and depression in the comics. I've gone on record on this show. If you guys have been listening since day one, I would have l- liked to seen a little bit more of that in yeah. the in the MCU. On the flip side, though, we also understand that while these movies are PG-13, none of them have been rated R or unrated, unlike what we have seen in the DCEU. They're they're still violent at times and very serious at times. That being said, they couldn't really have Tony with a a gun in one hand with the barrel in his mouth and a bottle of Jack Daniels in the other one, you know, crying and weeping for two hours and suffering from manic depression. Uh, those don't equal ticket sales for the MCU. So to kind of take those two and say, well, he wasn't as alcoholic and depressed in the comics. Yeah, that's called a business decision and one that made a lot of success. But then he goes on to say that, you know, Iron Man recently was tweaked in the books to mirror 
the personality that he has in the movies. Uh, and to that, I disagree. I was reading Iron Man books in the you know mid to late eighties, and right. while it probably wasn't as pronounced uh, then as it is now, uh, he was still very much a Tony Stark first type of person. Uh, he may not have tried to commandeer the Avengers or call the shots for the Avengers or call the shots for right. shield on a consistent basis. But he wasn't someone that you would really want to put all your chips in the middle, like bet the house on Tony Stark. It, it's that yeah. it usually wasn't the direction he wants to go. In. And so basically what we're saying is this guy who quote unquote writes for CBR.com would be more served before he makes these lists to just pick up a couple comic books Watch a couple comic book movies and hey, subscribe to Reasonable Fanboys <laughs> through iTunes. We can help. SoundCloud, Stitcher, <laughs> Overcast, any we one of those help. beautiful services. We think it will help you out a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but dude, uh, yeah, well, that, that was the thing about Iron Man. And that's what kind of frustrated me. You know, that's one of my, that's my favorites. You know what I mean? That's, that's you where are, I man. live. You, you are an Iron Man fan. There's no question. Dude. It's good times. So, but that was the, the biggest, the biggest thing about that was everyone. I mean, it was, it was well said and I said it too. Robert Downey Jr. Plays the perfect Iron Man. He plays the perfect Tony Stark. That inspiration had to have been drawn from somewhere, right? It wasn't the fact that Robert Downey Jr. Got in there and was like, you know what? I, I see this guy. He's pretty humble. You know, he uh, doesn't have a lot of issues. Um, I think I'm going to swirl it up. I think I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to give him a little attitude. I think I'm gonna I got to make sure he's here, drinking. I think I, I think I got it? something here that may yeah, work. I think I, I'm going to I'm going to spin it. I'm going to spin the uh, I'm going to spin that. And uh, what do you think about this? He's an alcoholic. You know, is this new? I think this is new. Like, I, dude, he was the perfect role because he was Tony Stark like that. I mean, his his personal life arc really echoed the Tony Stark arc like it just. Well, and at this you know, point, do have the are the two even separated anymore? I mean, I think I it's think just so. Robert Downey Stark, I think is, yeah. is really, Robert Anthony Downey Stark. It should be his name, you know, going forward. You know, and it was so, you know, ironic Good for about, him, though. I mean, he's he's a, he's owned it and he's loved it embraced it and uh, you know the the charity work that he does as tony stark and iron man that he oh, you know yeah, right. constantly goes out and does I, you know yeah obviously more power to him for doing all that kind of fun stuff but well but, and yeah. he was the ironic thing is uh, about this whole you know nonsense of you know iron man being handled so incorrectly in the mcu and all this other nonsense is you know robert has, has said so, you know, and I'm on a first name basis with Robert Downey with Bobby with, with Bobby. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah well, I call, that, we call each other. I call him. He's, he, you know, I can call him Bobby. So. You call him Bobby. I don't think I'm yeah. at that point yet. That's just Robert still with me. So is that, <laughs> you know, he has said several times that while he's not a, a real big Uber comic book fan, that his goal with his performance as Tony and, and Chris Evans has said this about cap, right? You know, uh, Chris Hemsworth has said this about Thor, on and on and on. They have this incredible just decades worth of library content to visit, uh, to draw inspiration from. And, and, and even if you go on the, the DCEU side of the fence, right? All, right. all the people who are in, in those you know, very iconic roles. 
have all said, you know, we draw from the inspiration of these books. That's that's where it lives and breathes. And then you put a new spin on it. And you put a new interpretation on it. And yeah, I don't think any of us would would want a panel for panel version of a comic book on film. Even the ones that yeah. have come the closest. And I and I think of movies like Sin City. Yeah, Watchmen. Watchmen, obviously. 300. Uh, three excellent comic book movies that are very, very close to their source material. Yeah. Those worked, but I wouldn't have wanted, you know, Dawn of Justice to be, you know, panel for panel, just like The Dark Knight Returns. You know, I, I, I wouldn't want to see Civil War be panel for panel. Right. What it was in the books. I mean, obviously it couldn't be because of licensing rights and whatnot. <laughs> So I mean, it had to have a, a different interpretation, right? Yeah, it had to have a different interpretation, a different spin, and you know, and that's why it works. Yeah, and something that you know, and again, this just all comes down to this ridiculous clickbait. And like a maroon, I clicked on it. <laughs> and <laughs> gotcha, got me. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I spun my uh, my scroll wheel through it too. Um, but that you know what we—that's what we do here. You know, at reasonable is we we sacrifice our you know scroll wheels and we we sacrifice our eyes so you don't have to that's right <laughs> i sacrifice we're, we're doing my the heavy I, lifting i sacrifice <laughs> safari crashing on my ipad because of all the ads on this web page because clearly <laughs> their webmaster has not heard of mobile optimization for said website <laughs> Just I for you, Reasonableness. So scrolling, so I couldn't figure yeah. out. So your tablet why it does not down. have to crash. That's why I exactly. Did. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't figure out why it wasn't scrolling. I was like scrolling down. It kept like bouncing up to the top. Oh. I'm like, is my mouse broken? No, 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 no. Nope. My mouse was not broken. The ad, the full screen ad, was loading. And to switch topics, I think this is a nice little segue. I'm going to switch topics. Yeah, let's get off this a little guy. bit. Get off this website. Thank here. you. Good grief. Um, the full screen ad was for. Wonder Woman in 4K. Yes. Blu-ray glory. Oh, tomorrow. tomorrow, man. Well, we're recording on September 18th. Yep. Wonder Woman Monday. 4K Ultra HD hits your faces on September 19th. Man, dude, if there was a yeah, movie buddy. made for 4K, you know, mm. we talked about Guardians Volume 2 on our last yeah, that show. That was tasty. Oh, my goodness. T- color you know splashes. You we watched it. Color we watched splashes. It. Yeah, every pixel got a workout. That's right um, on our teal on our televisions. Beautiful, um, beautiful transfer. But, tell, but it was something that that you and I had kind of talked. I, I think a little bit. You talked a little bit about it on the last show. I had seen it afterwards because remember I I didn't even go buy it at that point. I was I was still the the I was flummoxed by the goober at at the blank store. Right, so, you were ready to just settle for standard 480p DVD at that point. I was I was I was searching for the Betamax at that point. Well, <laughs> you guys got guess, this you guys got this on film. <laughs> you got this on super you got this on super disc, laser disc. <laughs> looking looking for it you got the hd dvd copy by any chance oh man dude i bought in on the hd dvd back in the day dude i threw I my know, weight dude. yeah that was ding dong dummy that was dude i had a toshiba player i had did you have man. the attachment that came along with the 360 uh yeah okay let's, let's <laughs> rabbit trail down for down hd studios and super highways and rabbit trails again so uh, yeah, so I have, uh, and I, well, not any longer. I don't have an Xbox 360 because uh, my Xbox One 
gets to handle all those games now. But, right. you know, I did have an Xbox 360. And my original one, I had, uh, you know, one of the white ones, you know, when those first came out and then eventually yeah. got an elite. Oh, yeah. And then I eventually oh, yeah. got a slim since my elite did that little red ring thing. So, weird. yeah, weird. I know. I think I was the only one that happened to. I <laughs> so. think it was. I think you were. <laughs> did not deviate my loyalty at all to that console. So anyway, yeah, uh, so, yeah, I had an Xbox 360 and I wanted to start getting into, uh, you know, HD content because we had an HD television at the time. I think we had a DLP, uh, Samsung DLP, which was a very cool television. DLP technology didn't really stand the test of time, I think. Um, because it was, it was very affordable, HD. Uh, it just basically, if that color wheel stopped spinning, that whole TV took a dump is really what happened. Mm. Uh, so anyway, uh, I remember watching Superman Returns on HBO uh, in HD. And I was like, whoa. I mean, it was blowing my mind. I was like, man, I really want to get more into this HD stuff. This was, uh, man, Ryan, this was like around 2000. 2006 era somewhere around mm-hmm. there okay and so you know, I had a couple options you could you know purchase a standalone hd dvd player and at this time the playstation 3 had already come out and standalone right. blu-ray yeah. players had come out toshiba was first to market with hd dvd players and i want to say yeah. they were like 500 dollars when they first hit yeah uh, a lot of blu-ray players were a thousand dollars when they when they first debuted uh, the PS3 was actually the most affordable Blu-ray player uh, when it came out. I think it w- wasn't that thing like five hundred dollars when it debuted, five hundred or six hundred dollars, something like that. Yeah, Blu-ray it's, players at that time were just incredibly oh, expensive, and that's right? one of the reasons when PlayStation Three was you know selling its bukus of versions, um, you know the slim and then the ultra slim and then the nano and then the like paper thin version i don't know they had like five invisible versions. version it's just a invisible, disc spinning yeah. there in thin air <laughs> i don't know how it worked it's magic it just works <laughs> ain't science something it's weird <laughs> so but I, I don't know like i bought one honestly i bought it um i'd say for about 60 percent of why i bought that was for the blu-ray capability i didn't have another blu-ray in the house and it was the best priced blu-ray player hands down hands down is the best priced <laughs> blu-ray player so uh, Microsoft, you know, they can't, they, you know, the 360 on its own did not play HD DVDs, played standard DVDs, did not play HD yeah. DVDs. And they, they kind of, you know, threw their weight behind the HD DVD side. <coughs> Pardon me. And they had this little standalone. Uh, if you guys want to know what it looks like, you can just, you know, Google image search that. Just type in, you know, Xbox 360 HD DVD player and, and you'll get a picture yeah. of it. Basically, it was this you know, add on because we all know how successful add ons are for consoles. They've always been super successful. <laughs> oh yeah. Looking at you, Sega CD and 32 <laughs> X and all that other garbage you could smack on top of your Genesis. So, uh, I decided like, you know what? Well, I'm going to go this route because I've already got the 360 herp and derp. So, uh, I bought it. Uh, it came with a copy of King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong on HD DVD. And so I bought that and I bought Superman Returns and, and another HD DVD movie. I can't remember what it was. So, you know, I was starting out with three movies like right from the get go. Well, I take this thing home. I, I plug it into my 360. It connects by USB. It's got to go through a, just a ton of software updates to get this thing up to where it needs to be. And then it proceeds to just take a poop. Uh, it, it just it didn't work. 
the player just straight up didn't work. I'd put in Superman Returns and the screen would jump and roll. I'd put in King Kong. You would get a picture, but you would get no audio. Uh, and then I was like, okay. So I packaged everything up, took it back to the store and decided to just get a standalone Toshiba player yeah. that yeah. I had for, man, I don't know how long. Um, probably for like a good year and a half because you know netflix at the time had hd dvd rentals and the picture was really good you know uh i I believe hd dvd could do 1080p right my tv did not allow for it at the time that the tv that i had was 720p only and of course the player would recognize and downgrade but anyway they essentially just lost that format or i mean sony had you know the deepest pockets imaginable <laughs> to just push Blu-ray, 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 Blu-ray. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it also helped too that you know the best-selling Blu-ray player was a PlayStation Three, and so you know you have <clears throat> millions and millions and millions of people buying PlayStation Threes. They want to watch movies on it in high def. Well, it's a Blu-ray player, and Microsoft was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, they didn't really push for it, and it wasn't until right. obviously the Xbox One. Uh, that the Blu-ray drive was included. And for those of us who have a 1S, we get to enjoy 4K Ultra HD Blu-rays, which is very cool. So, uh, yeah, so that's my trip down HD lane. So at one point, Ryan, I think I owned about 10 or 15 HD DVD movies. I don't have them anymore. They have since well, that been... Well, was, that was about all of them, wasn't it? There really wasn't many, dude. There, <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, I would say there was about 30 or 40. I think there was like 30 or 40 titles. It no, really there, wasn't there was more t- than that. There was more than that. I, I, I want to say it topped out at about 150 or 200 titles. It, what, the, the death bell happened because like the, the big backers for HDVD in terms of studios were Universal, Paramount, uh, Warner Brothers, and I think Lionsgate. And then, but they also yeah. produce movies in the Blu-ray format as well, too. But the the really big studios, they were throwing all their weight behind Blu-ray. Disney, Sony Pictures, 20th Century Fox. Right. Uh, and, and so, and he also had that Star Wars looming on the, on the horizon, right? Because it was said repeatedly, whichever format gets Star Wars will win. And... Because for how long people waited for Star Wars to hit on DVD took years after DVD came out, like almost eight years after DVD came out uh, for Star Wars to debut the original trilogy. And so HD DVD didn't even survive to the launch of Star Wars on on (laughs) Blu-ray. I think the the death bell came when Paramount pulled out of HD DVD uh, because what, what what that took with it at the time, their hottest property, which was Transformers. Uh, was no longer going to be available, right? So, I mean, whatever had been released was yeah. that was it. And I think only the first one was released on HD DVD. The second one was a Dark of the Moon, or the Moon is Dark, and the Darkest Moon Rises over the Cybertonian, whatever garbage rubbish title that was. So, yeah, that was HD DVD. So, I ended up selling my well, player. 2008, I think, was the yeah. final dissolving moment. Uh, in but, fact, you know what? I yeah. think I gave my player away. Uh, to a family member who just wanted a DVD player. And I was like, well, here, you can have this. I said it, you know, because it played standard DVDs just fine. Yeah, it'll still play DVDs. Uh, And then I just, over time, I just found some people here and there that, you know, who were collectors and kind of liked obscure stuff. And I would sell a movie off here or there, trade it in at, you know, Bookman's or or whatever. But yeah, there's no more (laughs) HD DVDs living in this house. So anyway, uh, to bring us back to Wonder Woman on 4K and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on 4K, 
you were before we kind of went down that rabbit trail you were saying something about after you had watched it oh we, yeah 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 dude okay well to finish to, 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 to finally wrap up the 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 numbers there there was 484 domestic titles 91 were exclusive wow yeah okay 484 but i think it was I mean, just a, a bunch of, of like i mean well i mean that's just all the movies that didn't necessarily hit, I mean, those were just kind of releases, you know, straight to HD DVD. Like it just kind of stuff like that happens too. And so. you know, and it had some, it had some pretty big hitters anyway. in there, but I mean, when you don't have Disney, when you don't have 20th century Fox, you don't have Sony pictures. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're, you're missing out on a lot of titles. Yeah. I mean, just from yeah. those three studios and <clears throat> you know, it is what it is. Yep. I remember a buddy of mine, um, he bought the, um, or his parents did <laughs> bought him the uh, HD DVD uh, plug in with the Xbox. And we, I remember we walked over there and, and, and he had it plugged into um, th- uh, just a cheap monitor like this old, like it was like uh, it must've been like six eighty. Like it yeah, was wow. nothing. Okay. It was like, a, like it really wasn't a, a it wasn't seven twenty. It wasn't yeah. ten eighty. That's more it high resolution just, than anything than high yeah. definition, just high resolution. And so he, he pops in an HD DVD and he pops in that thing and he just look at the quality. <laughs> just like, I'm like dude, I, I, it was just like on this monitor that wasn't really specced out for like to even go HD. And I'm like, I don't, sorry, man, I don't see it. Yeah. No, I don't know. No, I don't know how to tell you. No, I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah, but he, but yeah, he, he was obsessed with uh, that and he got obsessed with, um, uh, with mini disc. Uh, he converted oh, all his yeah. CDs into mini disc. Are you talking like, about like the, was, the UMD disc that would go on the PlayStation yeah. portable? The Sony, yeah, and then the, the Sony UMDs. players that came. Oh, yeah, my man. Gosh. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. He was he went all in on that. Like he had a CD to converter, and he'd he'd be burning them all day. Oh, like wow. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and he'd carry that around. He had his. I don't know, man. Really, after. I don't know. I couldn't, I mean, I, I didn't have it at all, so I didn't really understand it, but whatever. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Well, I definitely, cool, I whatever. definitely bet on the wrong horse in the HD wars, man. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but we watched, um, guardians of the galaxy volume two, um, both of us separately at our respective houses and in the 4k version, I watched my way through it. Um, John, you watched your way through it and I, I'm agreeing with you. Um, I don't, I didn't go back and listen to our show, uh, about the guardians of the galaxy. I remembered, uh, a few things about it. One that, um, it had its moments. There was a lot of moments that just completely just yanked me right out of the, out of the movie. There was a lot of, uh, silliness that didn't need to be there. Uh, that really kind of pulled away from, you know, the impact of the movie um, I remember, you know, just even rewatching it, like the David Hasselhoff scene right after Star Lord figures out that 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 uh, th- uh, that ego killed his mom. So it's like those kind of moments that you're like, well, well, I don't know why those decisions were made. But what I will say, and I, I and John, I'll, you know, obviously you'll you'll be echoing this just because you we talked about this, is that I I feel like maybe I don't know if we were too harsh on that movie or or not, but my criticisms will still stand uh, for that movie for sure. Like I, I feel like I back up. I don't back down from any criticism that I made for it, but I feel like I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more um, this second viewing. And I and and the, like I said, there's still moments in there that I'm just going like what? But I tell you, 
I, I still enjoyed it. I really did watching the movie in 4K. Like all the colors were beautiful, oh, and it's just. But, it's I mean, that's one thing. Blowing. The, I mean, but Disney, the king of yeah, Blu-ray transfers. Man, they just know what they're doing. You know, yeah, yeah I, 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 I felt like it, it. It played very differently the second my second viewing, yeah. and maybe I was just either a little more forgiving on it or whatever. But I enjoyed the heck out of it. Well, I think what the challenge was <clears throat> is that you know that movie had so much incredible hype going in that yeah. you know James Gunn is going so far is to call it the Empire Strikes Back of the of the Guardians trilogy and that that's a bold claim there's a lot of bold sauce on that claim whenever you well, say I think, I think that's just garbage anyway correct anytime that I you're going to say this movie is the Empire Strikes Back of and then kind of fill in the blank well you better it, deliver it just better <laughs> You better, better be Empire Strikes Back. Like, that's yeah, the only yeah. There's only one really Empire Strikes with. Back, and it's called the Dark, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Okay, Dark Knight was a great sequel. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, you know, you have like comparative sequels. Empire Strikes Back was was a fantastic movie in comparison to to uh, A New Hope. Just like Dark Knight was a fantastic sequel to Correct. Batman Begins. So, and and I'm probably a little too yeah. biased, but even the Dark Knight is not the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, it's just right. so. Anytime if you were to say this movie is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy, or, or it's going to be the Dark Knight of this trilogy, you, you better deliver. I mean, you seriously better deliver because when you talk about you know benchmark sequels or benchmark continuation of a storyline. Uh, those are those are two movies that that come to mind. I, I, you could probably even throw like Godfather Part Two in there, right? If you're gonna say this okay. movie, right? Uh, I don't I don't know if you've watched the Godfather movies at all. Uh, I enjoy them. I, I think the Godfather Part Three kind of gets a bad rap. Uh, though the Godfather Part Two is a brilliant sequel movie, standalone, all of the above. It's just brilliant. So for James Gunn to say, well, this is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of the Guardians trilogy, I'm going and saying, well, okay, as a Star Wars nerd, that is my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. And if you're promising me the Empire Strikes Back, well, you darn tootin' better give me the Empire Strikes Back. And you did not give me the Empire Strikes Back. You didn't even come close to giving me the Empire Strikes Back. No. What what I took away from from the second viewing, and actually I've seen it two more, uh, three times now, because uh, my son and I watched it. Actually, the entire family we watched both of them back to back. We watched Guardians and then Guardians Volume Two. Which, <laughs> by the way, Ryan, I would tell you when you watch those two movies back to back, yeah, you can make not a strong bond connection between sure. uh, Quill and. Um, Yondu. Yeah. Though you can see some hints at it in the first one. So we may have been a little yeah. too harsh on the well, kind mm-hmm. of out of nowhere. Yeah. But I think it's the but, second yeah. one imprinting onto the first one. I think is really what's happening is now that you've seen the second yeah. one, you go back and you watch the first one with the lens of the second one. And you're like, oh, now I see the connection when I'm not entirely sure that connection was meant to be in the first one to begin with. Does that make sense? I don't know. Did I, did I kind yeah. of lose you? It was clear. No, no, no. It was, it was clear to me that, that Yondu always had... Um, I guess I don't know if it was a soft spot, but that's the only thing that I ever picked up on was in the in the first one was this like Yondu likes Quill. 
But he, he looked he out just, for him. I, I think he, he likes they wanted, I think he they, likes the challenge. And the he said the Ravagers wanted to eat him because they'd never tasted oh, Terran sure. before, yeah. you know, and yeah, he, yeah. he was keeping them from being eaten. Yeah, sure. But I think it was it was more like I think he I think he enjoys the game that they play of Quill always kind of undercutting and and escaping Yondu and stabbing him in the back a little bit with business deals. I think Yondu likes that. I think he I think that's well because that's Yondu. That's a little bit of him um, in there, and I think he kind of likes that. But yeah, that was never. I mean, in terms of like memory lane. There was no memory lane inside of Guardians One. No, um, no. In fact, they know, had to create a special scene for memory lane in Guardians Two. Right. They Yondu, had to bring back the actor and, teaching the you know young Quill how to shoot. You know, so yeah. he had to. And that that little boy had grown up a little bit. <laughs> he was had a few more yeah. years on him when yeah. they shot that scene, which was cool. Which was which was fine. A little bit but, taller. Um, yeah, and I, I think that I think there was this um, this you know, relationship there, but I, I, I don't, I think, uh, you know, to say that he was his dad in his own special way, um, I think is, I think is, a, is, is too, is stretching that rubber band way too thin. Um, and I think that was, I mean, you can see stuff like that, but I mean, if you're going to play on that as like a big emotional pull, um, and the second one, then you missed a lot of marks in the first one, and you still missed quite a bit of exposition in the second one. If that's what the end game was, was to make Yondu the daddy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, my criticism still stands on that, but, um, but yeah. And, and I, and I still fully believe that at the end of that movie, the most fleshed out character that grew the most was rocket <laughs> rocket was incredible yeah. in that movie. Oh, absolutely incredible um and if you haven't already i know we talked about it if you haven't already go watch bradley cooper do the voiceover um there oh, is he's, footage he's of full-on acting man he is yeah. acting it out go watch and, and and while you're at it go watch uh hugh jackman do voiceover for logan oh yeah um, that'll send chills down your spine dude he is yeah. he dude he is just i mean he may have retired from logan he will always be logan man, oh, man. he just James has a connection Hallett, to that sure. character yeah but yeah so uh but definitely watch um bradley cooper it, it's it's amazing to see to still think that that's bradley cooper because you look at a picture of bradley cooper and you watch him and like you know the hangover and you watch him in a bunch of other films and you're like really like he's rocket like that's really like that's still him and, so and good. Um, so until good. i think until you watch that behind the scenes footage of him doing the voiceover uh for rocket um man it helped me click it because i couldn't i could still never hear it um but yeah man so good uh, but rocket's um journey in the second one was the most uh the most heartbreaking to watch him i mean he lost he thought he lost i mean he still did i mean you know mini groot is this baby groot character is not the groot that no was, it's a different Groot. You know, before it's a different Groot. it's not it's, there's, there's it's still like a connection a there's a connection yeah, it's like between a spawn the two yeah. of that yeah it's like a it's like Groot's little spawn or something like that like it's not it's not Groot and so he lost his friend in the first one and now he's losing you know he thinks he's losing Quill he he saves um Gamora from yep. going back like in a, and he lost Yondu he created a, a friendship yeah. with Yondu 
coming. I think, I think uh, yeah, he's got, he grew up quite, and especially I think it was really, it was really that moment when they're fighting over control of a ship, trying to get out of the airspace in the beginning of the movie that yeah. really showed the immaturity on both sides. Um, and by the end of the movie, you know, you see, you see rocket really understanding his place in the family. And he still, still thought, I mean, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he still thought he was the outsider. He never really felt at home. He never, that wasn't really still his family at the beginning of guardians Two if rocket found a better price tag somewhere else, oh, he then yeah, he, he'd split. He totally split. There was nothing <laughs> tying him to that. And I think by the, obviously by the end of it, um, you know, the seeing the colors, seeing Yondu still celebrated because Yondu, uh, came back, you know, and, and fought for what was right. Um, uh, which was a great story arc for Yondu. It was. Um, and, uh, I, I think, you know, obviously that, that character with rocket just really, it, I found its home and I, and I really enjoyed watching the, the growth there with that character. And and of course with Yondu as well, watching the really watching his path. Um, and like seeing his, like watching for the second time, uh, the first, when you open the scene on him and that, like, I don't know, robot, Android uh, brothel or whatever he's in. Yeah, robot brothel. <laughs> you know, I don't know, sex robots or something. <laughs> that no, that's what there. they were. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and you could see this this weight uh, that is on him, and I think they made that very apparent. Um, and it, it was it was weight was on him in Guardians One as well. Um, not as strong, but you could see that weight on his shoulders in the second one for sure of just kind of the ego conversation and, and kind of what he was doing for ego. And when we talk about perfect casting, uh, is there anyone other than Michael Rooker who should have been playing that character? <laughs> I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I'm Mary Poppins, um, y'all. Uh, you no. know, Michael Rooker, if I can meet any actor from the MCU, it would be Michael Rooker. It'd be Rooker. I yeah, love man. that guy. You know, you guys know Reasonable Us. I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. I miss Merle like you wouldn't believe. Merle was such a great character, kind of similar to Yondu in some ways. He came around, yeah. you know, he came yeah. around. And I'm going to spoil The Walking Dead for y'all if you haven't, because this is about four seasons ago. <laughs> when, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't caught up, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but this is like season, what, three or four? Yeah, I think we're going into nine, I think. Oh, yeah. This no, eight. Year. Yeah, yeah, we're about to hit eight. Season eight yeah. this year. Okay. Yeah. When Merle turns, because uh, he gets shot by the governor. The governor's man. He, yeah. he turns up. Well, he'd kind of betrayed the governor and then. So it'd be season four then. When season this hell four. Went down. Yeah. And Merle and Daryl had reunited and, and then went, they reunited and then split. And then they reunite again when Daryl right. goes back to try to save Merle and he finds Merle zombified. And right, yeah. essentially Merle went into the scenario in which he, he dies pretty much knowing he was going to come out of there either dead or a walker. He was, he was going to be yeah. like either blown up or whatever, or he'd be a walker. And he, he kind of knows that going in. And when Daryl finds Walker Merle, it is one of the uh, Ryan. I will tell oh, you there man. are there are very yeah. few times that I shed man tears. I was shedding <laughs> the man tears in that episode. Norman Reedus, the way oh, uh, yeah. I don't know how the two of those could not 
just weep during that scene was just incredible yeah. and <clears throat> very similar to the way Yondu is portrayed. Now Yondu obviously isn't a homicidal racist like, you know, Merle was <laughs> in the walking dead. Uh, I don't know. We never hit that side of his personality. No, we did. He, he, he may have, he may have held some prejudices that we may, don't know. He about. may have had a racial, a, a racial <laughs> strain in there somewhere. He, uh, may, he may have been prejudiced. I don't know. We don't know though. Uh, his, his farewell, uh, was and, and, you know, I, it, it was it, it was good for that storyline to finish the way that it did. I, I don't have any sure. complaints about Yondu dying. Um, I I never have a problem with a character, a main character dying. I think it's very safe to say Yondu was a main character. He was not an ancillary character. He was oh, a sure. main character. Uh, he finished his story arc as a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which brought it full circle because he was an original member in in print. Yeah. His exit while Sag's like, oh man, that means no more Michael Rooker. Now maybe we could get a Yondu flashback. You never know. I I hope not. You know, let's go ahead right. and close yeah. that that part. Just like, you know, his death, you know, had to happen in The Walking Dead to push the Daryl character forward to recognizing right. yeah. the group of survivors that he's with. This is his family. This is his oh, yeah. family. This is oh, where yeah. he belongs. And, and that's similar to Yondu's death. As much as I want more Michael Rooker and I want more Yondu, this is what's yeah. going to push the Peter Quill character to be a little bit more mature. And I don't want yeah. like, you know, seasoned gray beard Peter Quill for the next one, but he's not going to be such a, you know, for like a better word, a boner most of the time. He's going to be a little bit more <laughs> yeah. responsible, a little bit smarter uh, because yeah. the guardians depend on him. So yeah, man, we both walked away from, from that movie uh, with a little bit of a different viewpoint. I agree to a hundred percent. My criticisms still stand. I'm not going to abuse you guys by going through it again, though. I think we may have stomped a little too hard on the accelerator. Uh, at times. And I think for me in retrospect, it was just because the expectation was so high and so yeah, big yeah. and okay. You know, it delivered on a lot of areas, didn't deliver on some, but plays very well in a home theater setup. And if you guys have not picked it up yet already on HD or 4k, please do so because it does look beautiful. It is a gorgeous movie. It'll look great on your on your HD TVs. And oh, man. I do want to point out something real quick. I mean, oh, we got so much stuff to move out, to move on to, but I didn't realize this until I saw guardians. The second time we had a little bit of a reunion in that movie with Sylvester Stallone and Michael Rooker. They were in a movie together called cliffhanger in the oh, early nineties. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember and, that. yeah. and that's kind of where Michael Rooker's star kind of got a little bit brighter was in that movie. Um, no kidding. Reasonable. If you've not seen the movie cliffhanger, by all means, please do. If you want to see nine early nineties era action at its finest, it's cliffhanger. Nothing beats Sylvester Stallone swimming in freezing cold water in a blizzard, wearing nothing but a tank top and not getting hypothermia because he is Sylvester Stallone. I think at that movie, my, it's so okay. stupid it's fun okay <laughs> it, I is don't a, know. it is a stupid <laughs> yeah. stupid movie but by golly is if it's not just incredibly stupid it's so incredibly awesome <laughs> here's here's what i remember about cliffhanger um i didn't watch it until years later when it came out i was not you know, and i was not old enough to watch it 
uh, with with apparently with parental supervision. So oh, it's very much um, a rated R movie. It's a very violent yeah. film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I re- I do remember uh, my mom who is who was and who was at the time and, and still is very conscious, of course, but uh, who who was at the time uh, an aerobics instructor. And, uh, I remember her, like every time that preview would come on, it was every time she'd always like, there would be the movie trailer come on the television. She'd go, you know, that Sylvester Stallone has 2% body fat. (laughs) And my, (laughs) and my dad would just go, uh, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Like I, she just, I just think that's phenomenal. I just think that is that is that is dedication. A lot and of like, that came she out of a never, bottle. Did she, was she aware of that? That a lot of that know. was a pharmaceutically <laughs> induced uh, physique. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think she thought a thing of that. But I the tell best you, it was that the like, pharmacy can provide, Ryan. <laughs> like uh, it was, it was the moments that my mom kind of like hinted she's at crushing the on physical, like crushing on crushing on a celebrity Ooh, in I the like most it. like southern and polite way that why my dad doesn't like read into it or whatever but he totally (laughs) saw through it and i'm like mom do you like sylvester stallone well i just think that is i just think that the that the dedication is really great and i think that's that two percent body fat that is something that is something to mention well i declare that sylvester stallone's (laughs) got two percent body fat and he is looking about as delicious as a bowl of gumbo i'll tell you mighty fine <laughs> i just made your mom like a creole from louisiana yeah you, you, she's from you, texas you over to louisiana i know that's all right though <laughs> uh, maybe even a little kentucky i do declare i good do sir. declare but that's so this is has got two percent body fat i declare and good day <laughs> Good day, sir. Good day, sir. That's hilarious, dude. Like, yeah, she I don't know. Point that out. She totally would was. I think she was totally crushing on him, and just trying not to like let it on that way. And my dad just would just just go, uh huh. Not that my dad was out of shape or anything. He was actually in really great shape, but he would just, uh huh. All right. <laughs> just all of a uh-huh. sudden, dad's in the garage with weights. <laughs> <laughs> Staring at posters of, of Sly Stallone <laughs> for inspiration. Yeah, so reasonable is check out Cliffhanger if you want to see a young Michael Rooker and a young Sylvester Stallone. Peak, peak Sylvester it's Stallone. It's what, you know, uh, Cliffhanger was what we used to call back in the day, Ryan, a cable regular. A cable regular would be a movie that was constantly playing on TBS, you know, like Roadhouse <laughs> with Patrick Swayze. Cliffhanger was a cable regular. It was like, you will always oh, yeah. find it on either TBS or USA. It's here somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. <Yeah. laughs> right now it's showing on USA, I'm sure. It's <laughs> still. <laughs> All right, man. Still- so, yeah, we don't want to uh, ignore Wonder Woman 4K drops September 19th uh, on 4K yeah, Ultra cool. HD. I've been um, waiting. I haven't. I've have yet to watch it on digital. I didn't watch it on digital yet. So I, I haven't um, even purchased it yet. Uh, I haven't. I'm either. waiting to buy the 4K edition. Uh, but here's nice. something cool, though, folks. Uh, you know, we're not here to promote any one format over the other. That being said, if you did buy an HD copy digitally 
uh, through iTunes. And if you have a 4K Apple TV, Apple's upgrading you for free. So that's pretty cool. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you if you're like, well, I don't really do the physical media type of thing. That's totally awesome. If you've got the means to get there, then you'll be able to watch it on 4K. Uh, I am again. That's not an endorsement. That's just information for you guys. So take it uh, for what yeah, it's I've got worth. My, I mean, that's my entire library personally. That's just the ecosystem that that uh, that I just fell into, and that works for me. So it works for me go. for the most part, man. But I, dude, I'll tell you, dude. I uh, you know I've said it before. I I love the way digital HD looks. I think it looks really good, and it is convenient as all get out. When, oh, yeah. you, when you live in a certain ecosystem and, and you, you and I have not made any secrets that we buy a lot of our content through iTunes. Again, not an endorsement. That's just where we live and breathe. Uh, it, it, you know, it's super convenient to be able to pull up you know, those titles on any number of yeah. devices. It just, I, for me, I'm not a, a real big audio guy. I'm a video guy. I like the way video looks. And just it blu-ray and ultra hd blu-ray still because of bandwidth restrictions and things like that sometimes just produces a better hd picture though oh, yeah. i will say that uh the force awakens my my uh digital hd edition looks absolutely amazing and i have a very hard time telling the difference between that and a blu-ray I mean, they oh, are wow. they are that nice. that razor close to each other. So nice. anyway, Wonder Woman on 4K hit September 19th. Uh, I know, guys, you probably are wondering, man, these two guys, do they love talking about Wonder Woman and they love talking about Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, guys, this is a great time to enjoy so many of these great comic book movies because they're now these studios are mastering them to take advantage of a lot of the features that we have in our homes. So uh, we're just going to talk about it. And Wonder Woman was, a, a, was a brilliant was a brilliant movie, and we both Ryan and I both want to watch it on the best format possible. And uh, you bet we're going to have that 4K this week. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'll probably go into uh, I have trivia tomorrow night. But I'll still be. I'll, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna bounce out between work and that to go uh, pick up a copy. I'm not gonna. Well, I will let probably, too many days go by. Yeah, I'll probably get mine tomorrow. I do have U2 tomorrow night, so that's gonna be taking. Oh, that's up, right. Yeah, man, that's gonna be taking up the bulk of my day. So if I don't get it, you know, directly tomorrow, I, I will at least have it by by the weekend, though. That's for sure. And also, like, if people are like, "Hey, well, what the heck were you doing on Tuesday?" You'd be like, "Well, I was watching U2." Live, well, I went so. to see this little indie band. They're yeah. they're you can fund them on Kickstarter or GoFundMe. They go by the name U2. Struggling to scratch out a living. Um, God help them. I hope they. I hope they can pay their. <laughs> they're rent. gonna make it. I hope they can. Don't pay worry, their boys. Rent. You'll get it together. <laughs> You'll get it. Yeah, something tells me Bono's not worried about that that mortgage payment. <laughs> <laughs> he's not sweating those details too much all right man dude let's move no. on uh we got you know there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happening um movie wise but then we want to get into print because this has been an awesome like week and a half two weeks of great stuff oh, man. In print. september august uh oh, well goodness, really i guess man. it really stepped up in september but august um if i may john please uh, do. we we started i mean if i'm looking through my little my little app here um you know i'm seeing where do we end up with the flash was in or the the flash uh the button issues were in may um that's when we got to that's when we were looking through the button issues um through through april and may and then we inside of uh what was it july we got our taste uh, of dark days both the forge and the casting and then we got dark days or dark nights metal one did i say dark yeah dark days and then dark nights metal number one in august and now in september 
We have The Metal Continues, which is number two, which is great, and Teen Titans number 12, which is actually a nice little preview and one shot. Those are these little side stories that go through Metal Storyline. Launched, uh, I think, last week. Or, uh, yeah, just last week. Then uh, at the same time, it's Metal number two. And the Oz effect from Action Comics is also going live, I think, as of yesterday um, or the last just last week. Yeah. With the Oz effect launch. So absolutely. And then on the Marvel man. side, we've had the ongoing secret empire, which started in uh, late May uh, has now completed secret empire. Number 10 is out. That storyline is over. No spoilers for me for this guys. Cause I'm going to hopefully you guys have uh, looked at it. Uh, and also they have on Marvel, the venom verse, which is starting to speed up. And in just a couple of months, Marvel legacy will kick in where essentially it's not a creation of a new universe, but it's more of a soft reset to get some of these characters back to their original form. Uh, we applaud Marvel for listening to the fan base saying we we want to see some of these original characters back in their original roles. The, the experiments have been good. Some storylines have been really great. Some have not been so good. Uh, and some mostly have been very lukewarm. And so for Marvel to say, okay, you know what? We're going to listen to what our fans have to say. And we're going to introduce Marvel Legacy, which I am super excited about. Uh, is going to be happening here in just a couple of weeks. So really a lot of amazing things happening uh, from the big two. Though, Ryan, you know, even though some people think that we are a little DC favorites on this show, I've heard that accusation from time to time. To that, I just simply say, please go back and listen to all of our shows to clarify that. I think it is safe well, to say, though, that right now DC is writing the more comprehensive and cohesive storyline uh, in terms of what we're seeing happening with the button and how that's leading to the uh, more bigger the introduction of, of Dr. Manhattan, yeah. the Oz effect that's happening in action comics. And then starting in January of 2018, the doomsday clock where Superman and Dr. Manhattan go mono imano who knows how that's going to turn out? And, and, yeah, and, and, and I don't mean that ironically or like, oh, yeah, of course, we know Superman's going to win. No, we don't know. We don't know what they have in store for yeah. where Superman can go. Because, I mean, Dr. Manhattan is going to be a, an entity that this version of the DC multiverse has never encountered before at all. Yeah, exactly. At all. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it, it is a really great time, I think, if, if for DC and what they're doing and these storylines have been so tight and so clean and being able to move from from one to the other has felt very seamless and it hasn't really yeah. felt forced where i have certainly enjoyed secret empire in marvel but the criticism still lies there was never a real clear path in which to walk if you wanted to step outside of the 10 issue main storyline of secret empire which was outstanding. I, I thought it was great. Again, I don't want to give any spoilers just yet because issue number 10 is still relatively fresh. Uh, so yeah. I'll, I'll give some more thoughts on that next uh, show. The conclusion was pretty much, yeah, we kind of saw that coming. And when you build something up 
in the way that they have with the an evil Steve Rogers and Hydra conquering the United States and you know the X Men you know, all retreating to an area in California and, and basically kind of just becoming their own nation within a nation and essentially saying, you leave us alone, we will leave you alone. Does that sound fair? And to that, Steve Rogers says, that sounds fair. We will leave you alone. Okay. Uh, and then bring in the Inhumans now become the ones to pick on, become the ones to, yeah, you know, persecute and chase. Uh, nothing real new with that storyline there. Wash, rinse, and repeat. For it to end the way that it did, it, I, I, Ryan, I will say, and again, I'll get more into it next episode to give some of our listeners uh, a chance to catch up if they're reading it. I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, wow, boy, saw that coming. And I would say found it a little frustrating towards the end that we didn't really see any major, and I know I don't think you have read any Secret Empire. I, I've encouraged you a couple no. times to read it. I think yeah. you would enjoy it. I really do. But to see a lot of these characters really not be forced out of their already established character parameters was frustrating to see. Because if we're just like beyond the brink of just desperation more so than yeah. civil war or civil war two right because even in those storylines yeah. steve rogers was still cap he was still cap that was captain america and even right. if he yeah. when he walked away from it when he dropped the shield well in the first civil war he was shot and, and killed right. but, yeah yeah um but when he comes back the second time and, and he drops the shield and walks away from being captain america he was still cap right just like in the mcu Steve Rogers has walked away from being Captain America. He tosses the shield right, at Tony. Yeah. He's still Cap. He'll always be Cap, right? Right, yeah. You compare that and contrast that with Dark, uh, or, or yeah, Dark Knights. We're seeing a Batman that is, and again, we don't want to spoil too much, guys, because these stories and these books are, are very fresh on the vine. I mean, you know, some of them oh, have only yeah. been out for about a week. And if you're anything like Ryan and I, you don't always get to the comic book store lickety split uh, to pick up these books or, right, or yeah. grabbing your, your tablet or whatever you're, you're going to read these books on. I, I felt that these, all these characters in, in Secret Empire, and I'll use one as an example, the, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, who makes it a point. He says, I am going to kill Steve Rogers. Yeah. Okay. And in okay. Whoa. I was like, wow. Okay. Here we go. We're gonna see a character who may, the, man, they're gonna force him out of his, right? An, an impulsive Miles Morales is going to risk it all and kill Steve yeah. Rogers in front of Hydra, in front of this yeah. massive rally. And in the end, he doesn't do it. And Rogers gets the best of him, of course. And Steve basically says. You don't have it in you. I knew you would never do this. Okay. Well, it would have been stupid for, you know, Spider-Man to kill Steve Rogers at issue number six of a 10 issue series or issue number seven. Yeah. But the fact that there was no real attempt made, he just jumps down and gets into a little bit of a brawl with Cap, but then he's pulling his punches and he's not really giving it his all. And it opens up for Cap to give him a beat down and Cap's like, yeah, okay. You just don't have it in you. 
was like, wow, okay, what a what a letdown. And and you compare that with how Batman is being portrayed in Dark Knights. Even if you don't read Batman, you know that this is a this is a man who does not just rush in. He prepares, he analyzes, he studies. Yeah. That's why the DCEU makes it a point to kind of in Suicide Squad where she says, "Oh, I hear that you do love your files." Yes. <laughs> Batman loves his files. He loves his files. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he just doesn't rush in. He doesn't just blindly, you know, flail away. We saw some images of that in Dawn of Justice on the movie side, but then he learned that he can't do that. That is, he, that's, he will never be successful that way. Even the Batman video games, which are brilliant, they force you to study your enemies before you jump yeah. in and attack. Because if you just jump into a gang of, you know, the Joker's thugs and you don't, and you don't come up with a plan of attack, you're going to get a beat down because that's because Batman's just a man. So here we have in these dark Knight books, a Batman who's being pushed to the brink and he is just obsessed and he's not thinking anything through. He's not taking into consideration the bad family. He's not taking in consideration the justice league. He's not even taking into consideration his own well being. And that's what I'm loving about this story is just this insane impulse that he has. Yeah. And it's pushing him out of character. There you go, man. It's yours. I went long on that one. I got to catch my breath. All good. I take a uh, sip of my coffee. (laughs) I think, yeah, I I love this. I love this view of Batman. I love this view of rogue, uh, you know, almost like gone rogue Batman. Um, he is, he has regressed a little bit into this, into this mindset that he, um, in order to keep someone safe, I have to keep secrets from them. And, and, uh, and I tell you it, how many times, and, and that's a, that's the story as old as comic books. Um, <laughs> you know, a story as old as movies, a story as old as novels that have been written is that, you know, in order to keep someone safe, I can't tell them anything, or I got to keep this thing from them. I've got to keep them safe that way. Um, <clears throat> he has taken that personal responsibility uh, the accountability he feels lies on him for something that he didn't really have control of. And I think that's um, when he, when, you know, the, he, they talk, they, I'll tell you this, they kind of talk about him being the gate uh, uh, for, for what's going to, for the villains that will be coming through. And uh, he has brought it upon himself to take responsibility for that. And I think it's, uh, um, Man, I, I, it's powerful. I, I really, I've been really enjoying this series so far. So, well, it's so. it's tying in uh, many of the events of New Fifty Two, especially the Court of Owls, those pesky, yeah. pesky Court of Owls that just will never go away. Yeah, reasonableness. If you're new to this show and you have not read the the Court of Owls, please pick it up. It's New Fifty Two, Batman's Volume Number One and Two. Uh seminal Batman story. I mean, it is, it is up there with the killing joke. It is up there with the dark Knight returns, Batman year one, all of those iconic Batman storylines, the court of owls (laughs) belongs up there. And I, it's just really interesting to, to see 
a a Batman that man, I you know I almost I don't I want to say like a midlife crisis. I think that's probably the the, the <laughs> wrong term I'm looking for. I almost a crisis of identity with Batman, and a lot of it has to do, I believe, with the being able to actually speak to his father in the button mm-hmm. storyline, even though that, yeah. that Thomas Wayne was not his father in his universe. Right. It wasn't the man who raised him. It was not the man who raised him though. It was his father. <laughs> it was, it was a Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And we find out that the letter uh, that Thomas writes to Bruce in flashpoint, which again, another, storyline that every comic book fan must and should read is it's revealed what it is and it's thomas telling bruce don't be the batman yep give it up give it up it's not worth it it's not worth it it's going to take your life and that's not as and and, then thomas wayne took that father role for it and just said look like i'll be the batman enough for both of us i'll die with the batman Yes. Like, let me have that mantle. Let me die with it. You have you go and do a something life. else. Yeah. Yeah. Have a life. And Batman has, has a son, Damien, that they have a very interesting relationship in, in the books. It's clear that, that Bruce loves Damien and Damien loves Bruce it's not a traditional father son relationship. It's more, I am your teacher. You are my yeah. student Learn from me. And because well, he's, he's allowed him to be Robin. He's allowed so, him to be Robin. And yeah. <clears throat> occasionally I will throw you a dad ism here or there. Uh, but don't expect it on a regular basis. Yeah. And Which is the exact opposite that you see with from Superman and John. With, with Clark yes. and Jonathan. Absolutely. And, I th- and that, just, that's a father son relationship that yeah. I'm envious of when I read, uh, yeah. not because of relationship with my dad, but I read that and I'm like, man, that's the type of dad that I want to be with my son, you know, yeah. is, is that it's incredible. Type of dad. Like those stories, uh, action comics, uh, goes through it a little bit. Superman really dives into it. So this new super, the rebirth Superman, um, and the rebirth action comics, they tie together a little bit, but the rebirth Superman really, uh, digs in. And I encourage, if you haven't uh, oh, started there, some of the best, reading. um, <laughs> volume two trials of the super sun is a good volume to kind of get started with. But, um, to be honest, the, the the Superman Volume One Son of Superman, mm. um, it's a collected volume. You know, you know us and our collected volumes. Um, I read that one back in April, and it it floored me. I I oh, never it's... I've never read such a great. The relationship that they have is is un, is awesome. It's brilliant it's, writing. It's, it's it is brilliant yeah. writing. And yeah. when and how this relates to Dark Knight's metal <laughs> is actually quite a bit because. And again, we don't want to spoil a lot of storyline, guys, because you know these books again are are still super super fresh. <laughs> the ink, oh, yeah, the ink sure. is not yeah. even dried yet, guys. <laughs> In that, you know, Batman is is willing to to die at at the point that we're in right now in this storyline. Yeah. And even on in, in you know, spoiler alert, he he's not going to die, guys. Okay. 
I mean, at least <laughs> maybe not in the way that we think, but you never know. You never know. Uh, this is a one kind of a one shot. So, uh, well, it's separate from like the continuation storyline that is rebirth. So rebirth it Batman is, will go on yeah. and be fine. Um, but this is happening this, in the rebirth world though. This is happening there, but with all the other multiverses clear, together. Yeah. yeah. To be clear, it's a, it's a part of the multiverse that has no effect uh, essentially doesn't have any direct correlation with rebirth. Just no. to be very clear about it, you're, you're not going it to see Doctor Multiverse show up. universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not going to see rebirth. Be- a Superman show up and talk to uh, Dark Days Superman. No, like it's, that's not going to happen. But you're. It kind of. They kind of made it to where it's still one of the multiverses. So Batman could kick it in this multiverse. Well, it's uh, a, it's an interesting you know, dynamic though because they're 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 referencing quite a bit of stuff that has happened both in the New Fifty Two and already in the Rebirth storyline. So it, it's kind of hard to just nail it all down. It's yeah. essentially what happens if the multiverse were to all converge together, I guess is really kind of the best way to sort of kind of piece it together. Uh, it's continuity. Yeah. It, it's not uh, an Elseworlds. If you guys remember the DC Elseworlds books, you know, like, you know, uh, red sun, things like that. Which is a great Superman story, by the way. <laughs> if you guys haven't read Red Sun, it's brilliant. If Clark had crashed in Soviet area of Russia rather than the United States, pretty pretty amazing yeah. stuff. Uh, so it's not an Elseworlds book. Uh, it's continuity. It what is going to happen in these pages is not um, will have consequences elsewhere throughout the multiverse. But to Ryan's point, don't expect to see a lot of what is happening like with Mr. Oz in action comics, what has happened with the button in Batman and the flash uh, to just kind of show up in this because it's not going to. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what, what I was saying is, is Batman is, you know, thinking that he's on his way out. You know, he, he looks to Clark and he says, take care of Damien. And be the father to him that that I couldn't be. And here he recognizes that Clark is, you know, a dad. He's a dad. And Bruce isn't really a dad. He's a father, but he's not a dad, right? Let's let's echo back to Guardians. Ego may have been your father, but I was your daddy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is which is a good line, right? I mean, Bruce may have been Damien's father, but he's not his daddy, <laughs> you know. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of emotion just going on uh, in yeah. these books. Now, like a ding-dong dummy dummy, when I was at my favorite comic book store today, give them another shout-out, Samurai Comics in East Mesa. Love those guys. They serve all my comic book needs. And if you live in Arizona, they love to serve all your comic book needs, too. <laughs> Go check them out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they would love the business. Um, and if they would like to do business with reasonable fanboys, we would like that business, too. So. Uh, I went and I collected all my books for this for the past couple weeks. You know, I got Dark Knight's Metal, Young Blood number five, Darth Vader number five, Secret Empire number ten, and I knew that I needed to get Teen Titans twelve. And like a just a ding dong dummy, walked right by it. Yeah, you're texting me because I'm in the car, and you're in in you you text me, 
And no, I wasn't texting you on my phone. I was using my watch. I was talking to you on my watch. So I was not driving while I was texting. Glad to hear you say. Yeah, because I don't do that. That's 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 not safe to text. That's a ding dong dummy move. That is a ding dong dummy move. I do not do that. So uh, in, in you're mentioning this Teen Titans 12, and I'm like, Teen Titans 12? And you're like, well, yeah, it's part of the continuation before Dark Knight's Metal 2. And I'm like, oh, for goodness sake. It is. And I was already like halfway home. Oh, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not turning back <laughs> home. So um, I still need to read Teen Titans 12. Uh, so if you're wanting, guys, the progression of the storyline, uh, it's Dark Days, the uh, the casting, Dark Days, the Forge, and then... No, Forge casting. No, excuse me. The Forge, the casting, Dark Knight's Metal number one, and then Teen Titans number 12, and then Dark Knight's Metal two. Right. Now, you don't have to go into these side stories, uh, you know, because I read Dark Knight's Metal two today. I got the storyline. I didn't feel, you know, I wasn't like, what in the heck? Though Teen Titans 12 is going to kind of fill in some of these gaps when you get to some these kind of evil um, cannibalistic demonic Robins that show up and (laughs) just kind of he is the super villain. So make everything really disgusting and gross. Yeah. Yeah. This, there's a super villain here. Um, and there's a lot, and we talked about, we talked in detail about that before. I have to actually retract something I was, I was saying, um, the rebirth universe gets affected by this, uh, dark Knights universe pretty heavily. So, yeah, um, I, I figured you were I'd, researching that. Cause that's why I was talking like, yeah, he's going to need to be, I, yeah, I, I, I can't going to affect rebirth. Yeah, so it affects reverse very heavily, obviously, um, and that's and I don't know why I was thinking the opposite of that, but uh, there you go. So didn't even make it another show before I had to retract something. So um, the rebirth uh, is is being affected by the dark uh, the 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 uh, the Dark Knight's metal uh, uh, universe. Now, again, I don't think the dark Knights Batman is going to talk to the rebirth Batman. Those are still two separate characters. Um, but Batman is still involved with, um, uh, I think Batman actually just got off of the Bane, uh, run. I think that they just did. That yeah, was one three, there, there was a so. Bane run and then also a team up with swamp thing as well too. Yep. Yep. And Swamp Thing makes a wonderful appearance. Oh, nice. Uh, he does make a nice little cameo so, in, in Metal Number yeah. Two. Metal Number Two. But yeah, so th- they are, they do kind of flow together a little bit, but you're going to have some separation of, of main characters and stuff like that. But, um, but I tell you, the, the, the the Batman who laughs is who they're calling it now, and obviously he's the Batman that's going to be that has merged and been influenced by the Joker, um, which is no surprise there. He makes a wonderful second page appearance inside of Teen Titans number twelve. Um, they do not hold back um, in any way, and in fact, uh, he links up. So they link up with Suicide Squad, uh, Harley Quinn, the Croc. Um, so. There's some there's some really cool team ups here. Um, they meet up with Nightwing by the end of the Teen Titans. Um, so it it's a uh, man. I tell you, they they encounter enhanced Jokers or I'm sorry, enhanced Riddler. And that's what I was. We, John and you and I were talking to kind of talk about this. And I was reading through this. So the the Batman who laughs has been going through this universe and giving um, these uh, these nth metal or ninth metal nth metal i think is what it is nth metal um joker cards that turn out to enhance 
what those villains are all about. Yes. And they are able to strike harder than they've ever been. They've ever been able to before kind of bringing the power of the cosmos behind them. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really something else. I think it's really neat. Uh, there's some really cool panel work inside of teen Titans that I haven't seen before. Uh, that's just, that looks fantastic with these full page spreads. Um, they, I mean, it's just, it looks fantastic. I think, uh, uh, let's see who did the pencils here. Mirka, uh, and Dolfo and John boy Myers, uh, and inks. Yeah. By the same people. So, um, I don't recognize them from anything else, but yeah, they did the teen Titans. I know, um, Scott Snyder is writing the dark days, uh, pretty much completely at this point, right? Yeah, he's, he he's, is. He's the, yeah, it's going to be the same. It's, it's going to be the same team uh, that does all of the main storyline that will fall under the yeah. Dark Knight's metal. Uh, Greg Capullo is the artist. Uh, for those who have been longtime readers of Spawn, uh, it was Greg Capullo who took over for Todd McFarlane in Spawn when McFarlane moved to simply doing the cover art and the writing for spawn. Yep. And, uh, we are big fans of Todd McFarlane's artwork on this show. It is very, very easy to spot a Todd McFarlane (laughs) art. I'm looking at, uh, bringing up my little copy right now. I've got it sitting on my desk. Beautiful. The volume number one. Beautiful. Oh man, let me get to that. I just let he give me, give me a classic image splash page right there. Oh, just the, just the double panel. Image comics and their splash pages. Love it. Beautiful. Yeah, right right before right when Marvel kicked him out for doing the same thing, um, Todd McFarlane walked over to started image and then started doing full page two page covers or two page splash pages. Um and we talked about that a lot in our image show, but it, <laughs> yeah, they all did I it. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you, when Rob Marvel told, his Marvel, Marvel kicked him out for doing it, and that's the funny. That's what I kind of think is kind of funny is is the business they wanted nine nine page pan, or nine panel pages, standard affair. Give me that, and then our, our Todd McFarlane's over there just drawing, you know, like Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. Well, just it was funny because he was amazing. He was, yeah, he was art. purposefully drawing Spider Man coming out of the panel on purpose. Oh yeah. So if you look at a lot of those Spider-Man issues, especially like amazing Spider-Man over 300, which of course is the debut of uh, Venom. Uh, but even leading up to that, he was purposefully drawing Spider-Man where it looks like yeah. Spider-Man's coming out of the panel. So the Todd panel's McFarlane's there, Spider-Man but he's not so filling good. it. And so, yeah, that was McFarlane being Todd McFarlane <laughs> with, with Marvel. But yeah. Greg Capullo is doing the artwork and Greg Capullo very, his style is very reminiscent of Todd McFarlane. Uh, yep. it's, it can sometimes be confused with Todd McFarlane's art. Uh, though, if you put them side by side, you, you can definitely see a difference there, but it, it's a huge Ryan. It's a huge compliment for McFarlane to hand over the rights to draw his, his creation spawn to Greg Capullo. That's McFarlane saying, not only uh, is your stuff worthy but it's along the same themes that I like as an artist. And I got to say these first two issues of the main storyline metal, the art has been top notch. The last two panel pages of metal number two are close to the end. Two panel pages. When you see all of the dark Batman surface, oh, yeah. 
uh, oh, and, yeah. then, and then the sinister uh, Barbatos behind them. Yeah. Uh, it is an incredibly with striking baby, image. With, Looks like it should be a disturbed... Baby dark side at the, in the bottom right-hand yeah, corner. should be a disturbed <laughs> album cover. That's what it looks like. Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably will be at some point. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the artwork is phenomenal. The writing has been really great. Uh, I will say at times, as in any comic book, uh, I think the writing gets a little too heady when it doesn't need to be, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the exposition gets a little too heavy, uh, and and but but that's a hallmark of comic book writing. You know, it is pulp fiction, so it, it's going to yeah. try to take itself too serious at times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so far, the guys, thing emerge was a really cool. I think it's 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 almost a full page. There's two panels on top, but it's almost a full page where Swamp Thing comes through. Yeah, and it's uh it's really cool as well. Yeah, that is so cool. Which also looking at it right now. Uh, which also leads us to a great storyline that is starting up in Action Comics. Uh, the Oz Effect Part One, uh, just debuted this past week. Um, unless there's anything else that you want to add to Dark Knight's metal. I don't want to cut you off there. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? I don't personally want to keep digging into it just because I don't want to give out storyline just yet for those who yeah. still may be catching up. Other than, guys, if you're not reading this, you should be reading it is, I think, what we're getting at. It's really great yeah. stuff. It is. And I kind of want to address something that before I let it go too long, um, the accusations that, that you encounter. Uh, I haven't necessarily been encountered the same interactions but or the same confrontations but um call you know that we're pretty heavy inside of dc you know comic arena versus the marvel comic arena at the time when we were doing those shows despite the fact um, we pimped valiant for almost (laughs) two months hello yeah yeah let's (laughs) you know i don't know what to tell you about that and i pimped them again yes what last week because uh 70 off on their bloodshot series uh for i think through comiXology so yeah if um, you guys aren't reading valiant stuff then what's your problem please just pick up pick up bloodshot volume one man like that is just so good legit they are legit you don't have to dive into the universe i did i really enjoyed harbinger and i really enjoyed bloodshot i think i'm gonna count it i'm gonna be keeping my eyes on those two characters moving forward so anyhow we loved valiant we still love valiant um we're all about it but i think when it came to the big two uh dc honestly set the the walking stones down much cleaner than marvel did at the time when we were starting when we were really ramping up of going okay where do we jump in and we're finding that dc has made it very easy for us to jump right in and it wasn't really until i feel until marvel secret wars came out did we did have some nice places to pick up secret wars or secret empire secret empire okay uh secret empire to really pick up and and kind of move forward and that's just our experience with that um you know that's that's how we felt at the time when we walked in our comic book shop and that's what we're looking at is i'm seeing rebirth launch and i'm going hey what a what a time to just start reading something and i picked up red hood um and you know and i picked up some other ones that i don't really normally read because of that reason so um well, yeah, we, you it's, know, I, I don't know what else to say to that other than, hey, uh, we're going to be fair. We're going to be reasonable. We're going to try to be as much as possible here. Um, but when uh, a particular comic book company or if, if if Marvel kicks back up and John, you've been singing their praises for for secret uh, secret empire. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell 
everybody. Yeah, I don't know what to tell uh, them so <laughs> about about that. So I, you know, other than we are we are going to continue to be fair. We are going to continue to read these comics. And right now, I tell you, DC is doing a fantastic job. And it's not about one or the other here. Um, we've never been like that. We're always. Bring it. I, I always think we bring it fair, but it's not about one or the other. No, it's, it, it's it about is. what we're really enjoying right now. And for the both of us, that happens to be this. Now, moving forward with metal, I read it, get onto it. It's early. Um, you don't have to. You don't even have to get. You don't have to get the little side shots with like Teen Titans and all that fun stuff. Just start with metal. Um, it, I mean, start with metal number one if by any means of the story. Or, but I mean, go back and read Forge, read Casting. Those are great number ones uh, to really kick off the series. And then metal number one and metal number two. Um, I think they're about three bucks a piece. Uh, so enjoy. Well, yeah, I got the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the investment covers. So oh, yeah, yeah, you spent the four hundred dollars, right? Because yeah, you got the that, you got covers. that uh, platinum cover. Yeah, so it's three ninety nine yeah. for the investment Ooh, covers. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I think they're two ninety nine on at least on digital. I believe they are. Um, I think in print they should be the same two ninety nine. Yeah, they are. If you don't, if you get get the standard, just covers, standard covers, not the investment yeah, so covers, not the not the yeah. not the uh, wise business decision like I do by the <laughs> investment covers. You know, can I add one other thing too to the to the DC Marvel thing? Yeah, man. Um before we talk a little Oz effect and and some other things. You know, it, it, it I think it's always tough, Ryan, because you know, you and I exist in a number of different uh pop culture realms and time and space. We are gamers, we are comic book readers, we are uh literature readers theologians, scholars, we're all of the above. Philosophers. Philosophers, we're all of the above. (laughs) One thing that you and I don't enjoy is just ridiculous fanboyism. And that's why we call this show Reasonable Fanboys, because we are fanboys. There are things that we're going to be very passionate about, maybe a little unreasonable, but the goal is always to be as even as possible. And I do find it strange when I do hear some people so, you know, it's like, well, you guys really talk about DC a lot. You guys really talk about the DCEU a lot. You guys really, really defend the DCEU. Why do you do that? Because we like it. And we, we think it's worth defending. Why don't you guys like Marvel? It's like, I don't know what you mean. Well, you know, you guys are... We love Marvel. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, you know like X-Men Apocalypse. It's like, yeah, me and about a bazillion other people. Um... Can I just say that I think I've made it pretty, pretty straightforward in the last couple episodes to echo your point. Secret Empire has been fantastic. While it didn't wow me at the end where I was just like, what an amazing ride. A little bit of a letdown, but I don't regret buying one of those books in the slightest because they've been fantastic to read. Um, I'm sitting here with another Marvel book in my hand. Of course, it's Star Wars, but it's put out by Marvel. This is Darth Vader number five. I'm showing it to Ryan right now. Look at that cover. You see that? Oh, man, I just see my head in the reflection. Oh, because I've got it in my bag. Our our remote. Oh, yeah. Well, don't take it out of the bag for my sake, please. I don't want you to. I don't want you to re-ruin that. uh, I'm going to have to retape it. (laughs) All right, here we go. Look at that cover. I'll bring it back just a little. Okay. How's that? Oh, yeah. Look at that cover. 
Anakin's eye peering through shattered armor. Dude, that is rad. Dude, this and this is a Marvel book, everybody. Yes, it is Star Wars. And by the way, Star Wars is one of Marvel's best-selling books, by the way, for a reason. This storyline has been fantastic. I cannot endorse Darth Vader enough. Secret Empire, I cannot endorse it enough. Marvel Legacy, I cannot explain any more detail how I'm excited for Marvel Legacy and a return to some of the foundations of these characters, but still keeping it modern and still keeping it fresh. Guys, we love comic books and we read mainstream comics. We read independent comics. There are books that Ryan reads that I go, hmm. There are books that I read that Ryan goes, hmm. And that is okay. That is okay. So for those that may think that we go a little DC heavy, well, like I said, go back and listen to some of our early episodes. You'd think this was a Valiant only podcast for about four episodes. <laughs> right. Okay. Because Valiant still, still, Valiant is still producing some of the best books on the market. Right oh, now, yeah. DC is producing, in my opinion, the best cross title storyline on the market right now in Dark Knight's Metal, the Oz Effect, and soon to be Doomsday Clock. They're doing yep. it right. Marvel got a little bit of it right with Secret Empire, but we're going to get another Venomverse. Oh my goodness. This is what the That's fourth so one? That's so cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Another Venomverse. So once Marvel is able to get some of this stuff out of the way and get back to resetting their storylines, we're going to be in it, guys, and we're going to be reading it and we're going to be talking about it. It's just DC, to your point, Ryan, has made things a lot more accessible recently than Marvel has. And Marvel's course correcting in their books, but that's why we're spending a lot of time talking about DC because these storylines right now are phenomenal. And three months from now, we could be talking about a storyline in Dynamite Comics for all we know that could just be blowing our minds. I mean, that's just the way this industry goes. Okay, enough of a soapbox for me, dude. Okay, well, I want to tie into your Darth Vader series there. Can we we mention Action Comics just real quick? Yeah. Oh gonna, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. just super quick. I mean, it just it just started. So, Action Comics number nine eighty seven, uh, the Oz Effect Part One. If you guys have been reading Action Comics, uh, there's been this mysterious person who's come and gone, uh, Mister Oz. He also appeared several times in New Fifty Two. Uh, his quote unquote identity is revealed in this book. Ryan and I have our uber speculation about right, <laughs> that yeah. reveal at the end. Uh, this is just a small storyline though. It's only two, two books. It'll be action comics, nine eighty seven and action comics, nine eighty eight. So it's only going to go two books, uh, which is kind of interesting, but it's setting the stage coming for the doomsday clock, which we've said yeah. before is going to be the showdown between Superman and Dr. Manhattan. So um, it just continues to play into the Watchmen, specifically Dr. Manhattan, potentially Ozymandias, making their way in and influencing the current DC universe that, that we are familiar with. Yeah, so exactly. Um, did you get yep. a chance to read that action comics, by the way? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Cause did. we, yeah, we yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about it. Interesting read. Um, I love the return again of this Superman who just is this boy scout. He's looking boy to scout soups, man. Yeah. looking to save, uh, whoever he can, whenever he can. And he is repulsed, not by any sort of, deviant behavior which is could be something as minor as abandoning a dog on the side of the road to you know a 
village being slaughtered over medicine. Um, right, we yeah. really see a Superman who struggles uh, to satisfy and be everywhere he needs to be, as well yeah. as be a husband, a father. Um, so yeah, very just very cool storyline. I mean, the the return of the Boy Scout Superman is what DC needed. The brooding, alienated Superman was good. It brought a new dimension with New Fifty Two. But it's good to see the Superman that, that is the iconic, the Boy Scout yeah. will always do what's right, knows his yeah. place in the world, knows what he has to do, and will do it. Yeah, man. Hey, New Coke was uh, interesting for a little while, too, but I'll tell you, classic. There's <laughs> always a reason for classic. That's why it's called classic Coke. Absolutely. That's why it's called classic Coke, <laughs> you know? <laughs> New Coke had its place and uh but we always go back to the classic that's right very cool i'm um speaking of your darth vader comic book though i uh am rereading today actually oh sorry tomorrow um i'm rereading the darth maul number one. Oh yeah um yeah and i'm and i've been wanting to read darth maul so i've got number two sitting right here as well um that i'm excited to continue with that i'll be reading that series continuity um, by the way too that is continuity that's not yep that is and canon. I, that is canon yeah i i was always a fan of darth maul um you know from phantom menace you know obviously the just the absolute rage incarnate that he is i think that is something that is uh very i don't know it's it's just very interesting to see how that universe kind of plays with yeah uh, dude he was that quintessential just you know rage beast uh if you if you watched uh star wars rebels at all no 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 need to watch that that is some good stuff Yeah, right, can you just Star add Wars that Rebels. to the list. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know. so much There's more a, TV we have to watch, right? But yeah, Star Wars Rebels, and, which is and rewatching. Hey, I don't have a lot of TV time. I'm rewatching Breaking Bad. Yeah, so. I know, right? I, when we were supposed <laughs> to be running Destiny, and you're watching Breaking Bad again, I have to tell you, it's like you've already seen this, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but it was a really good part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, really that's very part. cool, man. The the Darth Maul comics, uh, you know, anything that is being put out uh, currently by Marvel. Uh, is canon. It is storyline. Yeah. What I'm really digging about the Darth Vader, uh, th- there's already been one Darth Vader series. This is the second Darth Vader series. And that there's not really a lot of dialogue in these books. And they're really allowing the the art to tell the story. Now, some people would yeah. look at that and say, oh, that's kind of sloppy. Not really. When you think about the Star Wars films, a lot of the story is told by the music that is being played. In fact, there have been several viewings of Star Wars with just the the score playing and the dialogue removed. So the actor's lips are moving, you know, but you're not hearing what they're saying. Yet you can follow the mood based upon the music that you're listening to. And so that's always been a real, and that's something that George Lucas always wanted with those, with those movies. Uh, with these books, you don't often need a ton of dialogue from panel to panel to panel with this ton of exposition, uh, especially in this storyline that they're telling now of, of just a freshly turned Vader, uh, who is not the seasoned Vader that we get by the time episode four rolls around or, or the yeah. events of Rogue One. Uh, this is a Vader who's trying to figure his stuff out and is still tormented over the choice that he made 
and wondering if there's any light left in him mm. yeah. or is he all dark? Is he all just fear and anger? And you don't need a lot of exposition for that, especially in these first issues where he goes on a quest for his yeah. lightsaber. And I love the storyline that they tell of, of how a Sith uh, has a red blade and, and how they get a red blade has been real interesting to read. And you know what Marvel did with Darth Maul and what bringing Darth Maul into uh, Star Wars Rebels that you know, he didn't die in the Phantom Menace and was actually um, saved. It's really cool. And yeah, the Darth Maul character, I did. I remember, man, when <laughs> Phantom Menace came out um, and Darth Maul was everywhere in the promotional material. I mean, oh, it yeah. was like super killer, man. Maul was everywhere. Uh, I think he has two lines in the movie uh, and Ray Park isn't even the one speaking them. Uh, yeah. 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 Because his, his yeah. Australian accent is so thick. He's also the guy who played Toad too, by the way. Toad. Who right. In, yeah. In the, the first which, X-Men film. Which was a nice little, uh, <laughs> if you remember X-Men 1, where he flicks the little bow staff. He flicks this pipe around um, in a very, very oddly similar manner. Yes. <laughs> um, that he did the same kind of flicks that he did with the with the dual blade yes. uh, lightsaber in Phantom Menace. <laughs> so it was kind of a, always, everyone that kind of saw that was kind of a neat moment at the time to... And he, he, he was such a cool character and, you know, one that didn't really need to talk a whole lot and was such an interesting contrast to Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, when you, when you talk about him just kind of seething with anger when those forced force fields were going up and Qui-Gon just chooses to kneel and meditate while Maul just paces right, like a yeah. caged tiger, you know, just waiting and he's, you know, these deep breaths and just... You know, he's just leering and seething with anger. Um, right. He was very cool. Um, I, I I thought it was lame when he, we quote unquote, died in The Phantom Menace. There's a reason why he came back in new canon is because he's so popular. It's like, okay, we got to find a way to bring Darth Maul back. Yeah. In <laughs> um, uh, which they did. And they did so very successfully in, in star Wars rebels. It, it actually makes sense. It wasn't just like, Oh, let's bring someone back just to bring them back. It actually makes sense on and yeah. how he comes back. But yeah, dude, those Darth Maul books are, are really cool in giving, you know, a lot of backstory to his race of people and, and how he got to where he was at in, in Phantom Menace. And, almost becomes like this tragic character because Palpatine never expected him to last as an apprentice anyway. Because yeah. he just knew that he was just, well, he's just unbridled rage. He's just a candle that burns on both ends. He's just going to flame out. He's just temporary. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a temporary Sith. Uh, Cause he knew that there was something better. It's very similar to count. There Dooku. was a new, yeah. yeah. You're just, you're just temporary, man. You're just filling a gap. You know, I mean, yeah, Maul flamed out faster than I expected. So I'm going to bring in this old timer, uh, you know, to, to, to fill in the gap. And then, you know, the, the of course the big so push was before you can bring Anakin. Yeah, that was yeah. the big push. Yeah. So, um, very cool that you're reading those, dude. I think you're going to, you're going to like a Marvel and is done yeah. and handled the star Wars property so well, probably because you got Disney staring over your shoulder, making sure that it's done correctly. <laughs> the stuff is going to sell. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> is that going to sell? Is that marketable? Then good. Can we make an action <laughs> figure out of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Can we put this in a theme park somewhere? <laughs> no, then get it out of that book. <laughs> get, get it out. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. Dude, yeah. So good. The new Star Wars book's really good, too. And in fact, yeah. uh, the Captain Phasma uh, series, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about as well. Uh, so I may be picking those up, too. She's, ex- yeah, she's yeah. expected to have a bigger role in The Last Jedi than kind of what was promised but then not delivered in yeah. The Force Awakens with Captain Phasma. So <laughs> we'll see what how she does in Last Jedi. Yeah. Well, um, other than other than that one, I think the last book that I've kind of picked up recently was a collected volume. Uh, shocker. Um, there's two that I'm I'm about to start reading. So I've got the Darth Maul on deck. I've also got one by uh, Boom Studios uh, called Lucas Black. Um, I think it's called Luke. Did I read that right? Lucas Stand. Sorry, Lucas Stand. Um, very reminiscent of like a Constantine. Uh, kind of a character. Okay. Um, and who's the publisher? You know, Boom Studios. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So smaller comic book company. Mm-hmm. It was um anyway. So uh, it caught my eye for whatever reason. I think it was. I think it was the price tag was free. So that helps. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was able to download that one, and I'm gonna be. I'll be reading through that one. To kind of. I'm kind of curious because I really like Constantine. I really like the storyline that that goes through. Um. I always really have. Uh. And this seems to be a very similar kind of style. So we'll see where that goes. The other comic that I picked up actually while we were talking, um, <laughs> was Made a purchase uh, during the show. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> was the, um, was the third collected volume in the Batman series of rebirth. The one that I've actually been kind of waiting for. Um, and it's the, I am Bane storyline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, uh, as you know, I have the nightfall collection, uh, right over there in my closet. And I've got that bookmarked, you know, full pl- splash page of, uh, Bane bringing the bat down on his knee, um, cracking his back in half. And, and, uh, I've, I have, oh man, I can't tell you ever since, uh, well, not ever since the, I, I know the dark Knight rises kind of brought him into more of a accurate view than he's been viewed in media in the past because we haven't had, you know, the last time we saw Bane in the movie theater was uh, with Poison Ivy, and and apparently he was just this dumb lug Bomb. that went, yeah, Bomb. that ran around and yeah. what was it, Batman and Robin that he was in? Yeah, yeah, it was Batman and Robin. We, we've promised our listeners, yeah, it definitely too. wasn't forever. We we've promised our listeners a full review of Batman and Robin too. By I the way. know, I know, I've got to, we've got to, I've got to bring myself to muster the courage. Yeah, <laughs> I've got some drinks on hand before we watch that one. Um, but I, uh, Bane kind of came out and instead of they, they, Christopher Nolan did a better job with Bane, uh, in the, in the, obviously in the movie, yeah. um, than than it was portrayed in the past. But I tell you, when you start digging into those comics of what Bane was, um, the dude's a mastermind. He's not mm-hmm. just this big lug that nope. kind of rumbles around and, and does his thing. The dude is an, an epic mastermind. So I'm really excited to see how, because uh, I don't know his storyline with Rebirth at all. So I'm really kind of, I'm excited to read uh, that that story, uh, that, that collected volume for I Am Bane. So I'm really excited about that. Well, Bane, you know, falls into that category of villain. You know, every every superhero is going to have that one villain that terrifies said superhero. Yeah. And and it may not be that superhero's main villain, right? Or like arch villain or something. Yeah, it may like. not be their arch villain. 
the Joker doesn't terrify Batman. Bane terrifies Batman. Mm -hmm. Lex Luthor does not terrify Superman. Doomsday does. Mm -hmm. But Lex, well, not so much in Rebirth, but traditionally, Lex is the arch enemy of, of Superman. Right, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in, in, in the Marvel world, right? Uh, for for Spider-Man, the arch enemy traditionally has been the Green Goblin slash Hobgoblin. Though it was Venom that terrified Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Now, over time, Venom became the arch enemy, but he wasn't for a significant yeah. run. He, and then they stepped it up with Carnage. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and, and there's always a reason why there is that villain that terrifies the superhero and it may not be the arch enemy. It's because that superhero and that villain are, are either equals or the villain bests them or knows something about them that they can use against them. Doomsday, Kryptonian in nature. He is basically a failed Kryptonian experiment that was attempted right. to be banished. So therefore, he can recognize a Kryptonian at any time. And as soon as he finds a Kryptonian, he zeroes in on said Kryptonian to kill said Kryptonian. Right, yeah. In the case of Bane, when you lead up to that Nightfall storyline, Bane discovered that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Just by yeah, figuring out the clues about through detective yeah. work, he discovered, yeah. right? It's not that he just kind of stumbled into it and just kind of found out, you know? Yeah, he didn't Chris O'Donnell the Batcave. No, no, just kind of, <laughs> yeah, just made his way in. In the, in, in the case with, with Spider-Man and Venom, the alien symbiote knew everything about Peter Parker. Everything. Oh, yeah, because he attached himself to Peter so Parker. So the symbiote carried, when it left Peter, it carried with it not only its own abilities, but the abilities of the Spider-Man as well, too. Right. Yeah. So when it attached itself to Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock already had pretty good human strength. I mean, he wasn't like throwing cars over his head, but he was he was a strong guy. He was a bodybuilder, a weightlifter. He was powerful. He was strong. The symbiote imbues him with his own symbiote powers, plus that of Spider-Man. And with it, all the knowledge of Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he instantly becomes the most terrifying Spider-Man villain but not the arch villain. Right. So yeah, man, it, it, it's very cool how a lot of, of characters will have that, um, that one, that, that one, I guess you could say Achilles heel villain mm -hmm. that yeah. they can outwit or outsmart or outpunch or whatever. But there's just that one that it's just, it's like, you know, if you want to use a sports analogy, I mean, there's, you can be the greatest team of all time in any sport, but there's that one team that you just can't beat. <laughs> and it could be one of the worst teams in football, but you just can't beat them. Right. Yeah. Batman, Bane, doomsday, Superman, venom, Spider-Man, right? The list goes <laughs> right. on and on and on, right? Sabretooth, Wolverine. Well, I guess you could say Sabretooth is the arch enemy of Wolverine. Um, maybe Omega red. And if you if you all remember Omega Red, oh yeah, was, for sure. you know that villain that would terrify Wolverine, right? So yeah, that's very cool that 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 you're uh, 
that you're getting into that storyline, you're really going to enjoy it. It was, it was a good read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Volume three, uh, I Am Bane collected volume is out now. I think it's been out for a little while. I think it was just released just recently. So Yeah, it was. Um, uh, the, the Wonder Woman volume three was also just released as well, too. So uh, yeah. I've been enjoying the Wonder Woman storyline a lot. Oh, yeah. And Rebirth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very cool storyline there. Um, there is uh, something that I wanted to point out on the Marvel side, guys, for those who are keeping score. I'm going to pull it out here. Let me take it out of the bag. I think I may have showed you this one on our last show. Um, this is what Marvel is currently doing a Marvel Generations. You see that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're doing a, a Marvel's doing a series of books called Generations. They're one shot books. And it's essentially taking the original character and the reimagined character and putting them together in a similar storyline to build the bridge to Marvel Legacy. Uh, this one oh, here yeah. was uh, all new Wolverine and Wolverine. So this was not Logan. Okay, old man Logan. This is Wolverine with the all new Wolverine. And so there's a number of these books that are going on right now. Uh, there's The Bravest with Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel. Uh, there's Hawkeye and New Hawkeye. Uh, they're all just one shot books designed to help build a bridge and build a path to Marvel Legacy. Super yeah. easy reads. Uh, they're your traditional Marvel $5. It is what it is, guys. I can't change the price of the books. Uh, they're definitely worth a pickup and a read. I don't think you need to grab all of them. There are quite a few, but if you've got those, if you want to get them all, we're not going to stop. You go get them all. But if there's just right. those select few Marvel characters that you really, really buy into and you really want to see where they're going to end up with Marvel legacy, these are definitely worth the investment. A really fun read, especially this Wolverine and all new Wolverine book. The artwork is really great has a very cool red shade to it. Uh, almost like the majority of the storyline is taking place at either sunset or sunrise. Just kind of the way the, the inking yeah. is done. It's really, right. really cool. Interesting dynamic between the two characters as well. Uh, you also get some, uh, surprise cameos. I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody. There's a few cameos that, that pop up here and there in the storyline as well, too. So uh, check those out. They're called Marvel Generations. They're just one-shot books helping pave the way to uh, Marvel Legacy. Right, yeah. Cool. Alright, very cool. Um, man, let's think. Oh, uh, I think as we start to wrap up our night here, um, just kind of a shout out, a little bit of shout out, but just a remembrance a little bit of Lynn Wein, Wine, I think it's Wine, Lynn Wine, who passed away last week. Um, he is uh, one of the more prolific people inside of comics. Um, I tell you, he's created one of my favorite characters, uh, Nightcrawler. Uh, and uh, Storm, he you know he co-created Storm Colossus. He actually plotted the um, Chris uh, Claremont um, Uncanny X Men storyline. So uh, if you if you remember, I think it was like ninety uh, X, X, uh, Uncanny X Men like ninety three ninety four. Um, but he uh, he plotted that for Chris Claremont, and Chris Claremont actually fleshed out the rest of the story. Um, but he's the one who actually kind of came up with all the, the essentially storyboarded the whole thing uh, for him. So um, he passed away last week. Um, if uh, you you may not recognize the name, um, 
and I know I had to do a little bit of looking myself. And, and this, you know, I've mentioned it before. Comics uh, was a childhood obsession. And uh, when I went into my teens and adolescent twenties, um, I fell off the map with comics, and I lost a lot of my name recognition. I lost a lot of people who contributed to these storylines that I loved that I'm able to recognize now. Um, and I tell you the community is affected by a loss like that. And I think, uh, in, in, in he'll be remembered. Well, he is, he is immortalized in more comics than I can count. So, um, we want to, you know, obviously just kind of remember him, uh, just as, just as one of the creators of our, of the reasons why we have this show anyway. So, well, in, in creating, you know, uh, several characters i mean especially in in nightcrawler and in colossus um you know the colossus character uh, for when he was created in the 80s being very controversial because of cold war era you had a very you know he was a soviet russian character yeah for sure and for him to be portrayed as um you know noble upstanding ethical moral uh, in many ways, Colossus was the the heart of the X Men, the moral compass of the X Men, and in many ways and in many storylines. I think, especially the Inferno storyline, uh, which is one of my personal yeah. favorites. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. His his love for his little sister, um, always wanting to do the right thing. Uh, evident in, in Deadpool, you know, as Colossus is trying to recruit Deadpool into the X Men. You know, he's <laughs> keeps trying know, to talk his sense to him, and yeah, he keeps trying to yeah, you know, tell telling him, that he'll yeah. eventually come around and and will do things the right way. Uh, and then also creating a character like Nightcrawler, uh, who you know, very devilish in appearance, man. And I remember the controversy around that. That you know, Marvel is promoting the character who looks like Satan, and he's being portrayed as a good guy. And oh my goodness, the children! What are the, about the Somebody children? Think of the children. The children. <laughs> but then he turns the tables on everybody and makes him a devout Catholic. Oh who yeah. Constantly feels like he has to atone for his sins, and yeah. Uh, creating a very complex character that was beautifully rendered in X-Men 2 and mm-hmm. then horribly destroyed in X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Such a shame. X-Men uh, 2 Nightcrawler was the... That portrayal uh, is... Again, so that, that's right up there is, is one of the best casting yeah. and best portrayals of a comic book character. Uh, All of film. the angelic symbols that he would punish yeah. himself by drawing on. And, and the, um, the, the heart, the, the, when he, when he teleports out of the jet goes and gets rogue and then comes back in to the jet. Oh yeah. Cause remember, cause uh, you know, Logan turns around and says, can you get her? And he says, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see where she's at. Cause you know, his, his, yeah. his thinking is I can only teleport to where I can see. Yeah, if I don't right, see where yeah. I'm going, I may not end up where I want to be. He could and go inside of a wall. He inside could, of a you know, wall. <laughs> yeah, which would instantly kill him. So yeah, um, and, but, I but, think that's kind of an interesting... For yeah. Logan to tell him, well, I trust you. And boom, yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. and gets her, grabs her, and then he's back in the, the jet. That's one of those spine-tingly moments where the movie nailed the character perfectly. Like right yeah. there, boom! Like, like, and it was so 
it was so it was such a neat character moment because he being a devout catholic he works off of faith all the time and he constantly in in x-men 2 he talks about faith you have to have faith um uh he's talking to logan that way uh he's actually he's and um sorry more he's talking to uh aurora or uh, <laughs> than anybody eyeballs. else <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he's talking to Storm more than anybody else about faith, and she says she has lost her faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, inside of in in for humanity, she's lost her faith. She's still fighting the good fight, but Magneto's you know doctrine is making a lot of sense to her. She's starting to buy uh, in. She's starting to see yeah. the. She she's starting to understand his viewpoint. She she may not yeah. be a true believer yet, but she's starting to understand it a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which played in the, which was played in the comics very well mm-hmm. with storm, um, flipping a little bit. She was started with Magneto yep. inside the comics. Yep, absolutely. Um, started as one of his, um, brotherhood sort of, one of, of his, mutants. Yep. Started in the brotherhood and then came over. So, uh, it's, it was a very cool moment. I think it just, it was amazing to see on screen the way he would talk about faith and then not have any, uh, when it came to his like personal application of it. Um, and that's the growth that he had to make is that final moment when they teleported inside of Cerebro. Um, and she told him, I have faith in you. That's right. That's and when he was told that the, the faith line, because he, he, oh, he well, I, thought, I mean, I thought it echoed inside the jet too, because he was nervous about getting her. Um, yeah, but, but the, I the think moment that, I think I was mixing the lines of the two scenes together. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, they were okay, told we yeah. have faith by going into Cerebro, but yeah, but he did teleport out of the jet, grab rogue and then, and then came Go back, back in, in which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, him going into the, the, the Cerebro where he could not see beyond the wall to teleport, um, obviously made him very, very nervous, but, uh, the the melding of the storm carry of storm and uh, of nightcrawler um kind of they kind of grew together in that moment where they where they yeah. opened up and said well you know we both uh, storm has better faith in humanity at that point and um uh, nightcrawler had faith in himself and so uh which that's the thing he lacked so but yeah you're right man I, I, nightcrawler was fantastic in x2 um which was just a great comic book movie oh, anyway hands down yeah um, absolutely yeah one of one of the best so but anyway mr lynn um and his family i'm sure going through a lot but uh we would be remiss if we did not at least talk a little bit about his legacy and um the characters that he made an impact on and and our in our honestly our industry and kind of what he did for us so thank you and rest in peace and uh, you will be remembered for sure absolutely well well said uh yeah i, I do have one other thing to wrap up and then we're going to let these yeah. folks go uh we would uh I mentioned this on our on our Twitter feed today. Uh, still image of David Harbour as Hellboy was released this past week. Oh, man. So cool. Looks very cool. We'll throw that up on our Twitter feed, too, by the way. Um, can you do that right now while we talk? Yeah, I got it. Okay, cool. Uh, well, so we'll have that up there. If you haven't seen it already, it, it looks like Ron Perlman <laughs> when you first see it. <laughs> um, I, I, checked a, I checked a link earlier uh, this week or, or late last week, I should say. And when I clicked, I'm like, was this a cruel joke? Because this is Ron Perlman. I mean, it's like, this looks like it's from the original Hellboy. Uh, but then when you scroll down a little bit, you see the, the big hammer fist has been changed uh, a little bit. Uh, the, the pattern on it, a little bit different, more in tune with what you saw in the books. Uh, but it's also a testimony to uh, 
Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro, in his you know cinematic design for Hellboy, was so close to the book that it was just about spot on that why mess with something that was already great to begin with really the yeah. only differences that i could tell again the hammer fist is it looks a little bit bigger and the the patterns on it a little bit more reminiscent of the books uh the horns have a little bit of a more jagged filed look to them than sort of the clean file file down that we saw in in the hellboy movies original hellboy hellboy movies he's also a little bit of a different shade of red uh, as well too and he's wearing khaki pants it looks like if i remember right kind of more yeah. like military style pants uh than than like black cargo pants but i'm sure we'll still see the iconic cigar smoking and uh you know he's got his righteous pistol there what, what's the name of his gun again is it faith bringer or something like that Dude, I just lost it. I had it, yeah, literally, I and that. I was thinking you're, about you're it. You're a bigger Hellboy just... fan than I am. Um, I, want, I want to say Faithbringer, I think is what it's called. We've got this worldwide no, database where we that's can a destiny. That's a destiny gun. That is a destiny gun. <laughs> Fate, Fatebringer is a destiny gun. Fatebringer. So you can tell where my mind is at. Uh, so right. yeah, so clearly in the picture, he does have his uh, trusty pistola there with him. So, you know, that's all we've gotten from the movie so far, just a still shot. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I am not a huge Hellboy movie fan. I know you put it in your list of top five. You really enjoyed the original Hellboy. A lot to like oh, in man. that movie. It's playing on Netflix, yeah. by the way, right now. Uh, Reasonable. So if you haven't seen it and you subscribe to Netflix, fire up Hellboy. Take a take a look. I at think that. both of them are. I think the, that and the sequel. Golden Army is yeah. on there as well, too. Yeah. Golden Army. So here's the kicker. Golden Army as a story is a little odd. Um, there are some moments in there that are a little dog-eared than anything else. They really dipped They really dipped into the lore um, big time inside of the Golden Army. But the all of the costuming... Guillermo del Toro is one of the most fantastic uh, practical effects uh, people in our day and age. Um, the dude brings it. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, um, we, we've talked about it before. Pan's Labyrinth is one of the most striking, strikingly visual uh, movies I've ever seen in the last Sometimes you know, 15 Sometimes it's downright years. disturbing at times, too. I mean, just some of the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. In, for in, sure. In a positive way, not like, yeah. but just like, whoa. I mean, just... I've got a... <laughs> yeah. It's just... It's it's shy. It, it's very striking. There's a buddy of mine, Brandon, who uh, listens... Who is a fan of the show. Listen, he, he lives in Detroit. Um uh or lives in michigan i shouldn't say he lives in detroit well, detroit is michigan. in michigan ryan yeah well i know that okay but i know he lives in michigan <laughs> uh but anyway he um posted some pictures of his some of his most recent tattoo work that's been done Ooh. and he is a guillermo del toro super fan so he's got pan's labyrinth tattoos um as well as some hellboy work from the golden army nice um there are some, I mean, just, just the costuming alone is worth the two hour, uh, movie just to watch some of the practical effects, uh, that are done in that one. So if, if any other reason that you're like, eh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lukewarm on Hellboy, just watch it for the Guillermo del Toro factor because <laughs> it's, uh, it is worth it. That for part sure. does not let down. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so we uh we definitely promised a little bit of a of a take on that in our twitter feed we didn't want to let that go by there's really not much to comment on beyond that guys i mean it's just a still shot uh david harbour 
I mean, he looks like Hellboy, so there you go. I mean, uh, he was great. Yeah, he's great, great in Stranger yeah. Things, so I I don't yeah. doubt that he'll be good in this. So, um, there you go. Rewatch. I think that he's. One I think recently. he's a much. That better, one's coming up in October. So. Yeah, and I think he's a much better pick for. No, that movie doesn't come out this October. There's no way, does it? No, not not the movie. I'm. So, I said Stranger oh, Things. Oh, so okay. I was like, Oof, uh, yeah, that's. Two. They're on a fast paced yeah, schedule of Hellboy's coming out this October. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be very good if it's coming out this October. There's a, there's a lot of green screen if that's the case for sure. Uh, no, Stranger <laughs> yeah. Things season two definitely is this October. Uh, I, th- I definitely think that David Harbor is a much better casting for Hellboy than because he was under consideration for Cable for a while if you remember yeah, his name yeah. we, seemed we to keep coming up and yeah. and we yeah. were we were both like mm. and again i'm not completely sold on on josh brolin yet those still shots look good interested to see what he's going to look like in the final product and how he yeah. interacts with with deadpool that's going to be the big swing factor right to determine if this is the right move but looking at david harbour uh in in the hellboy makeup in in costuming right. one question i do want to ask is that is that homeboy's own physique because if so <laughs> jiminy christmas well he he, he does yeah, not look he, that buff and stranger things so i don't know if he's no. wearing a bodysuit of some kind I know he, I mean, he, not to say that he's completely out of shape, but he had a little bit of a dad bod in Stranger Things. Yeah, well, because he's kind of that know. grizzled, you know, yeah. sheriff. He's not, a, he's not a thinner person, um, not to say that he's fat or anything. He was no saying, couch like, potato, his, but, his, his, but he wasn't. His body physique is not, is not a thin body physique. He's got a, yeah. he's got a wider stance. Correct. So. Um, he was he, would, I, he was no John Cena, but he wasn't a he wasn't a couch potato <laughs> <yeah>. either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> good grief john cena well you can't see him so i don't know if, <laughs> so i don't know what he looks like <laughs> good that's a good comeback i like that you like that was good. Like it was good you can't you see think i nailed that one too huh <laughs> you didn't think i had that uh but yeah so um but I think uh, David Harbour looks fantastic. If that's him, then dude, you are an inspiration. Dude, he's to yoked. Most. <laughs> <laughs> the dude is is just. I, I would say the there's a couple. A good, he's gone to the gym a couple of times. Well, if if that is <laughs> at his, least it, twice. If that's his physique, then I think he's got the same pharmacy as Mr. Stallone. Just saying. He might. Just saying. <laughs> he might have it. Yeah. They might may have the same doctor. I'm not sure, but. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stare at this photo for too long. <laughs> I may find myself staring at it too long. <laughs> if that's the case, then there you go. <laughs> All right. So there you go, guys. There's your, there's your quick Hellboy news. All right, Ryan. Yeah. I think we've given hey, that's these. Sylvester Stallone. He had 2% body fat. So <laughs> I don't know if you do. He just, he just, you know, it's so, it's so funny. Dedication to the craft. Dude, because, you know, it's. Stallone is one of those guys. It's like if you, you know, and and I like Sylvester Stallone a lot. I really do. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he has, un, unfortunately, he he pitched his tent in just really over the top action movies. You know, in in the late eighties and in well into the nineties. Yeah, when he really has some very good acting chops, he is a very good actor. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was nominated for a best actor for the original Rocky. He was nominated for best uh uh original script 
for Rocky. He wrote Rocky. A lot of people don't know that. He wrote most of the Rocky movies. They ended up getting really cheeseball by Rocky Four. Um, but uh, Rocky Balboa and Creed were two really good movies. If you really want to, I mean, you know, his acting ability in Rocky and Rocky Two. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie called Copland. He is brilliant in Copland. Yeah. And then he was fantastic in Creed. In fact, he was nominated as a best supporting actor, and it is criminal that he did not win. When you watch his performance in Creed, it is heartbreaking. I mean, he mm. is so good at at drawing out emotion. But he just camped on these action movies just one because I mean that's that's where the money was at, man. I mean, yeah, Stallone action movies were like guaranteed like blockbusters, you know. Um and it's kind of too bad that later in life, you know, once the body couldn't do as much as it could do when he was younger, you see more of the actor side, you know, coming back. Right. Out. But yeah. it's still funny, yeah. though, like when he, when he walks on on the screen in Guardians 2, man, you can still tell he's like still visiting that pharmacy. And if you've seen the Expendables, I mean, the guy's like, you know, and I love the Expendables, Expendables movies. Guy's like, you know, 65. It looks like he could, you know, bench press a truck. You're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. His, one's head does not usually get bigger when they get older. I'm just saying. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> that meat mound on top of his neck, though. <laughs> and meatballs. On the <laughs> good grief, man. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for me. Are you good? I am good. All right. Well, this has been Reasonable Fanboys. My name is Ryan. I am John. You guys have a great one.